You better be listening to Slezoids or I must break you. If you're playing this tape, then I'm already dead. You're my only hope. They're watching. They're waiting. Take the money, the list, and the gun. And when you shoot, shoot to kill. On the streets of Hong Kong, a war is raging. Between the criminals who rule the city and the terrorists who threaten the world. One man is caught in the middle. And he'll need all the help he can get. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature Grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise, and at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Jean-Claude Van Damme continues into February. We got a big finale for you guys. We got an old friend, Dolph. He's coming back. New friend, Jean-Claude Van Damme. You guys got to join the (laughs) sleaze. It's going to be awesome. And we're breaking the rules a little bit, but I'll I'll save that for later. So join the sleaze. That's right. Uh, we decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air showdown and two bonus episodes every single month, which we are in our fifth year of. There's like 120, 130 plus bonus episodes, as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about new release genre films. And there was a ton of January trash that came out mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of 2023 that we are going to be talking about very soon. So look forward to that. If you haven't made the jump, patreon.com slash podcast, and we recommend that. And speaking of which, we did have quite a few people to give their shout outs to this month so we had uh pp o'connell who signed up for an entire year of the show which is something that you can do you get a little bit of a discounted rate if you sign up for a year in advance nice. which pp o'connell did so thanks so much we had dizzle sizzle sign up at the five dollar <laughs> tier we had alex wood we had bill fraser uh we had junior minty we had ethan stir uh sturgill um we had Alyssa bonanno who signed up once also at the annual tier uh, we had Jason Neiman sign up for $5. We had Parker Meadows also sign up at the annual tier. Lots of people getting in on the annual tier. If you want to hear the show, speaking of which, Kyle Gannis also at the annual tier. Everyone's getting oh, in on great. it. It's uh, 2023, the year of the Sleezoids annual tier. We had Theodore Rawson. We had Kenny Hedges sign up. We had Neither Neither sign up. Uh, Trash Legs, great name. <laughs> and Sam Doherty. Uh, so thanks so much to all of you folks. Hope you're enjoying those bonus episodes. We we really appreciate the support. And uh, that's the one plug for the week. The other week, uh, the other plug for the week, uh, as always, is uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify. If you are listening on either one of those platforms, and I see the stats, I see you right now listening on both those platforms, making shifty eyes right now. Uh, <laughs> scroll down to the very bottom. Give us a good old rating and review over there. It helps us climb the ranks and find new listeners. And the very last plug for the week is merch. If you like the uh, poster art that based out of Toronto horror artist Trevor Henderson did for the podcast, you can get that basically put on anything that you can think of. You can just get a poster, you can get a hoodie, a pen, a notebook, uh, anything that you can think of that is at the link in the description as well as over at sleezoidspodcast.com. But that is it for the intro. Welcome back to another week. Uh, As always, I am your host, Josh Lewis, and joining me also, as always, is my co-host, Jamie Miller. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome, and welcome to the tail end 
mm-hmm. of January, the month-long exploration that we have been doing over on the Sleezoids podcast on the muscles from Brussels, uh, from Brussels himself, <laughs> Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme. We have been going pretty hard, and I'm certain that yeah. most people have been listening, but if you haven't, three weeks ago we kicked things off where we, we talked about the big breakout. We talked about the uh, child prodigy kickboxer, martial artist, ballet dancer, uh, turned movie star in the films uh, Bloodsport and Kickboxer for the Canon Group. Uh, we did that exclusively over on the Patreon and we had a, you know, a really great deep dive into his origins and how he got found <laughs> doing extra work for, uh, <laughs> the Canon groups, uh, break dancing musical breakin. Yes. He got <laughs> the first bit of film of him other than in tournament in like legitimate tournament settings is him just dancing in the background of a scene. And it's very beautiful if you go out and find it. Um, <laughs> So we started uh, there, and then we moved on two weeks ago uh, with a special guest, uh, Brandon from the Dad Core Cinema Club, where we were talking Lionheart and Double Impact. We were getting into Van Damme being directed by his good friend Sheldon Ledich, who wrote the screenplay for Bloodsport, and actually co-writing the films himself. And we got a, a, a good glimpse into what Jean-Claude Van Damme saw as his own image, what kind of roles he wanted to write for himself, how he wanted to prove he was more than just a amazing athlete who could say one-liners in an action film and he wanted yeah. to actually flex his dramatic chops. Uh, give him those close-ups and let the tears fly, baby. Dude, give him monologues about how the world is unfair and he's looking at yeah. the class disparity of New York City and double impact. He's having crazy, you know, you got good Van Damme and bad Van Damme. He's double acting in two roles and also uh, cucking himself in crazy <laughs> fantasy visions and that was, expanding... Uh, that was, that was one of our favorite, my favorite conclusions that we came up with was that he realized the only person that could cuck Van Damme was Van Damme. That's just, yeah, that's just great. And Love he it. wrote it, which is just also beautiful. <laughs> right. So, you know, he's, it's, it was, it was a great exploration into Jean-Claude, the, the auteurist image presence. And then last <laughs> week over on the Patreon uh, we moved on to Jean-Claude has officially asserted himself. He is, uh, the industry now recognizes him as an actor capable of handling the filmmakers and budgets that, uh, you know, you might see another actor like Stallone or a, uh, Bruce Willis, for example, two actors who were actually approached to do one of the films we covered last week, mm-hmm. where we talked about his collaborations with veteran studio filmmaker Peter Hyams, and he did the sci-fi thriller Time Cop with him, which is literally Van Damme as a... (laughs) police of time travel <laughs> yeah. um and it, it's 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 a it's a little bit low rent for knocking off things like total recall and and the terminator but peter hyams really you know uh sturdy you know uh widescreen filmmaker and you know got some pretty nicely choreographed action going on in that and then sudden death which was Peter Hyams and Van Damme reteaming after Time Cop was the biggest box office success of his career to do their version of Die Hard. And it basically is one of my favorite pieces of Die Hard plagiarism, just having oh, yeah, you know, it's great. Powers Booth and the Alan Rickman role. It's not in a corporate office. Uh, it's at the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, arena during the Stanley Cup finals. Um, 
and he fights a mascot. He gets in the golden <laughs> gear. It's beautiful. Yeah, he goes onto the the splitting rooftop as it's opening up and does like a big finale that crane fight. shot that goes yeah. from the 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 ice all the way to the roof in the middle of the fight. It's it's unbelievable. Him and Peter, it, it, sudden death was probably my favorite film that we've covered. Um, yeah, me so too, far I think. Um, this month. So if you haven't heard that episode, that was last week's over on the Patreon. Go check that out. Uh, but moving on to this week, as you can tell, we've been moving chronologically, and we have covered a really good portion of Jean-Claude Van Damme. We've went from, you know, his his B-movie origins, we went to him, you know, starting to flex in the writing and hiring his own directors, getting more power over his stories, to him being a full-fledged studio action star, making huge box office turns for you know, Universal and Sony, you know, having quite mm-hmm. a career. Um, and we are now at the point where we are talking about the end of Jean-Claude Van Damme, the theatrical action star. I don't know if, it, I, I'd have to double check, but these might be some of the last movies that he ever got that were put into theaters. And to talk about these films, we needed to have a uh, very special guest who I've been wanting to have on for a while. He is a uh, graphic designer, he's a writer, he's an editor, he's a musician, and he is especially a film programmer of a wonderful uh, martial arts screening series here in Toronto called Black Belt Cinema, and uh, that guest is Brandon Lim. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing great, y'all. Thanks for having me here for January. It's it's an honor oh, yeah. to be here. Uh, short time listener, first time guest. Thanks for having yeah. me, guys. Yeah, thanks no, for no, no. But when when I was putting guests together for a Jean Claude month, I was like, you were at the top of the list because I was like, this guy, he's probably he he programs a Jean Claude movie once a year for his own. <laughs> for his own uh, series and, you know, and uh, some of the films that you've played or stuff that we've covered, you you played Showdown in Little Tokyo just, what, a couple months awesome. ago? That, that was is... one of our, our absolute blast films that we covered in uh, Dolph Month, which was the last time we did a, a series on an actor. Yeah, that's amazing. I also love your Dolph uh, recorded intro uh, that you somehow got him <laughs> Me to do. Too. That, that was amazing. It just tickles that sweet spot every time I hear it. I'm like, oh my God, it's Dolph Lundgren. And he's yeah, introducing those. Sur- yeah, surreal so. moments in the history Very of the show, surreal. definitely. How did that even come? How did that come together? Oh well, d- well, do you know what, dude? He he was on uh, he was on a little service you might have heard of called Cameo. Oh, of course, <laughs> yes, that that makes perfect sense. He was but super the, nice the, though, because like I think Josh was saying that he he only wrote out a few lines, and he ended up giving us like two and a half, three minutes of. No, uh, he was, he was wonderful. He, yeah. he you could even tell that he it. actually looked up the show and like looked yeah. up stuff about it. Like it was very funny because when you yeah, when you cool. do that, you, you you write into them, you can give them like a tweet length of stuff, right. and he talked for like two minutes straight. Oh and wow! Gave gave us some life advice and everything. We were like, <laughs> Dolph's yeah. the king. We were so glad that we. Uh, uh, did a did a series on him and discovered some great films, which led us to wanting to do this uh, Jean Claude one um, as well. But that being said, we are nearing the tail end of January here, so Brandon. So, uh, what uh, two films are we talking about, and what era of Jean Claude's career are we in this week? Well, you did bring up how we're approaching that era of his last theatrical releases, and it's funny you talk about sudden death because that actually was uh, the last film of his that got a wide theatrical release uh, up until oh, wow. you know jcvd obviously decades later but sudden death was the last movie that played in theaters starring jean-claude van damme before he was banished to direct a video purgatory 
Oh, oh shit! Wow. See, I, I I thought these got some kind of theatrical release. No, because they, they do have like box office reports on them. Well, maybe I'm a liar, Josh. Uh, we're gonna have to look that up. Uh, but I've, I've been, I, I was the, 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 this, under the is, this is where we will have the listeners. Yeah. Let us know. Yell at us. Tell yes. us, uh, Shame what, us what 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 with our inaccuracies, please. But but I do think that you are right. That sudden death is probably the last time that he would have gone. I think like a full wide push. He might have gone yeah. like you know some small. You know what? You know, I, yeah, I think you're right because Legionnaire. I believe was his first direct-to-video film that didn't yes. arrive in theaters. So you know what? I'm wrong. It was Legionnaire. Whatever came up before Legionnaire was probably. The I last think Knockoff. I think Knockoff is the last thing oh, before man. Legionnaire. What a what a movie to go out on though. Um, exactly, exactly. So so what two films are we talking about, Brandon? We are doing Maximum Risk and Knockoff, both paired together for their Hong Kong directors, that being Ringo Lam. Uh, who directed Maximum Risk, of course, and Choi Hawk, who directed Knockoff. Yeah, yeah. very, very ex- excited. Too. I mean, it's great yeah. that we're doing these two episodes together. They're both Hong Kong directors. And, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is obviously well-known for shepherding a lot of these iconic Hong Kong action directors to Hollywood, especially around this time of the, uh, you know, Chinese takeover of Hong Kong from being a British colony in 1997, which... A knockoff takes place during. So I, I wonder what it is about Van Damme that has like attracted so many of these directors to sort of take him on as this kind of entry point into Hollywood. Because it's, it's happened with obviously John Woo and Hard Target. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe Jean-Claude had reached out to Ringo Lamb about doing Maximum Risk because he, you know, he just seems to love Hong Kong with the country and Hong Kong cinema. Like He's genuinely super passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I think you know, one of his first films that he, his first big films that he shot there, I believe, was Bloodsport. Uh, was actually shot yep. in Hong Kong, and yeah, Bloodsport is a, like half a travelogue of just yeah. Hong Kong, which I imagine <laughs> is, is where he yeah. fell in love with it, and like the fighting culture, and like I imagine that was just something that appealed to him before he even was thinking about being a filmmaker, and then all of a sudden, yeah, you you just have some of the best filmmakers who actually know how to shoot martial artists doing work over there, like a huge martial arts culture that's so different than, you know, U.S. action. And so it is really interesting. And, you know, Jean-Claude deserves a lot of credit for using every bit of his clout, literally until he was kicked out of theatrical (laughs) filmmaking, using every bit of his clout to bring insanely talented Hong Kong action filmmakers and give their chance to American movies. And, you know, we, we covered a huge part of that when we we talked with Will Meneker and we did an episode on Hard Target and Double Team was the previous time we did. So this is technically a sequel episode to ah. Jean-Claude working with Hong Kong O-Chures. Um, and yeah, this is, these are also, yeah, he, he put it all on the line for, you know, two kind of box office failures, uh, conspiracy thrillers, one directed by Ringo Lam, one directed by Choi Hawk. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to... Uh, get into it here because there's they're very different films very different stylistic approaches wildly um, different yeah yes mm-hmm. uh but both definitely have hong kong filmmakers lensing it and you yeah. still got jean claude the athlete pushing uh i think that was partially why they liked working with him so much is he put a lot of effort into uh, when we talked about heart target we specifically were like i feel like he's just he could physically do what Wu would have to make american actors look like they could do and uh, <laughs> yeah. i feel like they definitely appreciated that uh, so that being said i think we are going to jump right into it here yeah. let's start off with maximum risk From internationally acclaimed action director Ringo Lam. 
Van Damme and Natasha Henstridge of Species. Maximum Risk. Welcome to the other side of safe. Maximum Risk. You know what I really love about the opening of this film is the title sequence. It kind of comes on in black and white, Maximum Risk. It's black and white with like a spotlight that just sort of pans across of it, across it, and then it disappears. And then the title comes back again in blue and red with this like sick like typewriter <laughs> looking font. I'm just like, damn, they just doubled down on this like opening title. Great job. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's awesome. All right, we are talking Maximum Risk, a.k.a. The Exchange, a.k.a. <laughs> Bloodstone. <laughs> yeah. Lots of, lots, of, lots of different titles. <laughs> uh, it's the 1996 American action thriller directed by Ringo Lamb and, of course, starring Jean-Claude uh, Van Damme. And coming after uh, working um, uh, with with Peter Hyams, as we were mentioning, uh, but, but Jean-Claude, because of the films that he was doing with him he had like some some pretty unbelievable clout to work with so much so that he got uh, in between uh sudden death and um maximum risk here he actually got his directorial debut off the ground the quest which we aren't covering this month but i i did happen to watch in in between uh in, in between that? these sessions because i wanted to check it out and it's it's strange because it, we talk so much about how Van Dam wanted to separate himself from fighting tournament movies, and he wanted okay. to show that he could do other kinds of stuff. And it's so funny that his directorial debut is like going black or going back to bloodsport territory and literally okay. giving writing credit back to Frank Dukes and <laughs> and, and, and actually like the, the pathological liar who bloodsport was 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 based on, and actually getting sued by Frank Dukes for making right. the movie. I did hear uh, that. Yeah. Well, yeah, almost kind of like a proto Seagal, you know, lying about these like underground like death right. tournaments, work, working for the CIA and all this stuff. Yes, straight uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's almost kind of like a real life Seagal that wasn't an actor. I don't know. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, his story is kind of amazing. And my favorite detail about him taking Jean-Claude to court over the quest was that he told the court that the evidence that Van Damme plagiarized the movie from him, he lost it because it was a verbal agreement and he lost the recording in an earthquake. And I was like, this dude's just wow. the best liar in history. I love how it's also like a max, like it's a huge lie. It, it's like something that has like a natural disaster has to happen. It's not just like, you know, some little accident or something like that. It's, it's, he's so funny. A sinkhole just opened up and the, the, just the tape recorder just fell right in. Right in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it, it, the the quest is is interesting because Van Dam, you can tell, having worked with Hyams, having worked with Wu, he actually is you know a, a decently you know uh, you know he, he's got some craft when it comes to actually shooting his own action and shooting his own fights. In the last thirty minutes, is you know some pretty impressive tournament fighting that is probably better directed than most of the tournament fighting in Bloodsport. Um, unfortunately, though, the quest is also like a what feels like a three hour adventure epic that's been cut to like. 85 minutes oh, so okay. it, 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 it it's wild in terms of tone like you got van damme doing stuff with roger moore who sells him into slavery you get like <laughs> van damme in in old makeup telling you a fairy tale story about his life in the 1920s where he's oh, like yeah beating up old, cops in clown attire you know how does his old age makeup compared to like how he looks now as actual old van damme would you say <laughs> yeah do they go did, way did, over did, the did, top with it do you remember yeah, do, do, do you know what? It was kind yeah, like of weird. They didn't. They, they, 
Yeah, they they kind of went a little too gray on the hair, <laughs> but other than that, he doesn't look that different. You know, he you know he's they they did a decent <laughs> job. I'll I'll say we need um, the three hour cut of the quest. That's what we need. Give us the director's cut. Yes. Yes. Four K UHD Blu-ray. Yep. <laughs> But uh, so so he he did that uh, in in between, and I don't think that that went particularly well for him. Um, mm. And he decided that he wanted to kind of continue the style experimentation of working with Hong Kong directors, like he did with his American debut Hard Target, where he brought he brought Wu and his huge, expressive, sort of heightened, balletic, heroic bloodshed visual style to American audiences via this like Southern Bayou Western, most dangerous game film, it, where yeah, like the outlaw really, Western. Yeah. It really oh, feels like a Western. There's just so many amazing Western shots in it. Like it's, yeah, that's the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. I, I will never forget that part where he brushes his duster aside, like the oh mythic American cowboys of yep. old to reveal like a six shooter. And instead it's just it's his just thigh. His, it's one of my favorite. It, it's one of my favorite <laughs> moments in any one of his, his films. <laughs> All you need. Yeah. Well, it's and just C- Cajun homeless drifter cowboy with the wettest ramen noodle mullet you've oh, ever seen wettest, punching snakes. Wettest, oh, it's dripping beautiful. Wet, dripping wet. <laughs> <laughs> and and but that's just it is Jean-Claude he didn't stop at woo because once again he was responsible for bringing over Choi Choi Hawk when they did double team together which we'll talk about briefly when we move on to Choi Hawk's uh, other American film that he did with him next but he also brought over and I think kind of on the uh, the lower end of sort of you know from what I've seen like people talk about his movies I don't see Maximum Risk talked about in the same way his other Hong Kong collaborations are talked about even or even his other Ringo Lambs that he did like Replicant and, and stuff like that so mm-hmm. his collaboration Collaborations with Ringo Lam, I think, kind of are the third tier for people when they go down the Jean-Claude uh, Hong Kong collaborations. And the last time we talked about Ringo Lam, who we do accept, by the way, as an honorary Canadian Torontonian uh, filmmaker due to him studying uh, his craft at York University. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea. He did. He studied. Yeah, dude. He 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 went to acting school with Sammo Hung, and no. then he came over to Toronto and studied film at York, and then went back and did City on Fire. It's an insane life story. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, so alongside John Woo, uh, Ringo Lam is, you know, responsible for, as we talked about with City on Fighter, kind of popularizing the heroic bloodshed movement of, of gangster gun fu and physical expression of, of melodrama through the kind of storytelling there. You even have Chow Yun-Fat and Danny Lee, who would later go on to co-star in John Woo's The Killer together in City on Fire. Um, right. Uh, doing uh, some classic sort of heroic bloodshed, brotherly melodrama, men on opposite sides of the law, but with shared codes and, you know, all this guilt over the violence. And that film we specifically talked about when it came to Ringo Lamb versus Wu, um, that Ringo Lamb doesn't have quite as much as that sort of like graceful pageantry as Wu likes to have. Like, no, he's, he's, he's all about blunt force and kind of gruesomeness. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. His, his filmmaking it's still very kinetic, but it's a little bit more brutal. Every single like punch or gunshot looks and feels so painful. It's yes. really over the top. Like it's just brutal. There's not like any like fancy like kung fu fighting. It's just like it's almost like a barroom brawl is just unfolding in front of your eyes. It's Have it, you seen full contact? Style. Yes, definitely. No. Yeah. With Lam like, Ching Wan, yeah. It's fan, yeah. It's fantastic. It's got all that. It's just like the bombastic violence and macho, uh, yeah. kind of machismo and all that. It's he's he is very blunt about what he's putting on screen. 
That was a big movie yeah. when it came out. It won a lot of awards. I remember just walking around in Chinatown back when they used to have all those bootleg DVD and VCD stores, and there was tons of copies of, of Full Contact kicking around. And yeah, those were the days, though, when you would just discover yeah. random Hong Kong action movies like that, like in Chinatown or Pacific Mall. I don't know if you guys ever been to uh, Pacific Mall before, but it used to be this iconic place where you would just go take chances on random on like video discs and, and, and DVDs and just discover amazing gems like you know like 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 full full alert. Wait, did you say full alert or full contact? Uh, full contact. Oh my bad. Sorry. Full contact's the one with uh, Chow Yun Fat. I was thinking of yeah. full alert, the one with Lam Ching Wan. I got that mixed up. Okay, I don't know if I've seen full alert actually. I have to watch. Full alert is pretty that. good. I would honestly say full contact is his most like entertaining. It has an amazing style to it. It's shot in Thailand. It's just like a super dank like sweaty movie uh, amazing yeah. like red and blue lights great characters you've got um simon yam just hamming it up as this like very flamboyant uh villain and the the homoeroticism between uh, simon yam and, and chayun fat in that film is just off the charts like it's 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 amazing i would i highly recommend it yeah, and City yeah, on Fire well, has that bromance too, if I remember for correctly. Sure. Yeah, for sure. well, that that was one of my favorite parts is because City on Fire, you have Chow Yun Fat as the undercover informer for the cops trying to take down Danny Lee's crew of like ruthless jewelry heisters. But so much of the focus is like his crisis of becoming their friends and then guiding them to their deaths. And that seems mm-hmm. to be like Ringo Lam. Like he definitely has a visual style to to the action. He definitely like overplays and exaggerates stuff. Like it, you could say that City on Fire is like more realistic by heroic bloodshed gun foo standards but like someone will still like shoot one shot into a car and it'll explode like it's still very <laughs> right. expressive and, yeah. and bombastic in that kind of way but it's also tuned in to a level of intensity that is again as we kind of mentioned like less graceful and more blunt like he very loves jarring. action scenes that turn into foot chases that turn into yeah. car chases that turn into gunfights and just go 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 <laughs> and it's a very similar sensibility that he brings to Maximum Risk, which is Jean-Claude Van Damme playing a French cop named Alan or Alain Moreau, um, who finds out that essentially he has an identical twin brother, double impact style, which is a nice little that he loves playing the twin brother. <laughs> yeah, so he's been kind of obsessed with it since he wrote it for himself many years ago. Uh, but in this case, he only finds his dead brother's body at a crime scene. And that's how he discovers his existence and it leads to him investigating it and uh, eventually uncovering some sort of international conspiracy involving ruthless Russian mobsters and some renegade FBI FBI agents who are in collusion with them. And of course, because he always, part of the reason he loves the twin brother thing is that the brother's girlfriend will mistake him (laughs) for the boyfriend. And you know, so he strikes the fourth time that this has happened. I feel like he, he just, it's, it's the most romantic situation he can conceive of is that just like a woman doesn't, realize that he's not the the (laughs) he's as handsome as her real boyfriend but not actually her boyfriend um and (laughs) it results anyway in like a series of pretty intense set pieces globe trotting from the south of france and in nice uh to new york city or toronto as new york city and a couple other locations that they also filmed uh where he's also trying to obviously solve the, the case of his brother's murder throughout all of this uh conspiratorial stuff um and i think for jamie was this your first time watching this too or was it am i the only one here first time yeah this this was my first time watching uh maximum risk okay so let's ask brandon brandon what what was what was your first experience with maximum risk well this i definitely saw this i either saw this in theaters or I, i must have just rented it on on video um 
I remember seeing this movie. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Didn't really stand out. It wasn't one of those JCVD movies I would often, you know, revisit like Kickboxer or Bloodsport. But the second time, maybe it was my third time watch, I had totally forgotten that there was twins in this movie. It it actually blew my mind. I remember I actually messaged Josh when I found out. I was just like, oh my God, this is another JCVD twins movie. What the hell? Because I was so confused at the funeral scene. I'm like, wait, he's at his own funeral? What's happening? And then, that oh was definitely God. the oh opening shock of the movie. It's yeah. what they wanted. They wanted you to be like, you're watching a Van Damme movie, but then Van Damme dies in yeah. the first five minutes of the they movie, and they wanted everyone to be like, what the fuck? They don't promote it. I, I don't re- recall them promoting it in the, in the movie's like trailer or like press release or anything like that, unlike you know something like Double Impact. I, I mean, obviously, they played off that novelty before. Maybe they didn't want to double down on it so overtly. But mm-hmm. it is incredible that he would make another movie like this and, and also have this situation where he's, you know, having this romantic connection with his twin's lover. Uh, you know, nothing more romantic than that. Yeah. yeah. They also he, did he it again, that. like, later on in 2001 with Replicant, which oh, is interesting. Yes. He just, and it's funny, too, Ringo Lamb, I see, I forgot about this, um, but he did Twin Dragons with Jackie Chan, That's where he right. also does oh twins. <laughs> so Ringo <laughs> Lamb loves it, too. Yeah. yeah. This is probably why life. they bonded. Like, we need to get this other, like, twins guy in on this. Like, he's the right man. He's yeah. the Twins Dragon. We need him. Let's find the it. two guys into martial arts action films who are, like, obsessed with twin brother stories. <laughs> Get them, get them together. Oh, and and it would, yeah, the one thing I'll say about Maximum Risk is that, you know, Ringo Lamb is definitely bringing some of the heroic bloodshed stylization over. But what's kind of interesting about it is that because of the way that it's written, it's actually very light on like that kind of melodrama or like, I guess because the brother dies, he doesn't yeah. have like even the double impact stuff where he has like heightened drama scenes with yeah. himself or anything. The brother just kind of dies right away. So, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. And also I think part of it is also, this is an American scribe at, yeah. as always, but at this point in, uh, Van Damme's career, Larry Ferguson wrote this, who did uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2 and like one of the lesser Peter Hyams films that I watched called The the Presidio with the, like Sean Connery and Mark Harmon is in it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a script that's just like not as attuned, I think, to the kind of drama that you would find in a Hong Kong action film and instead kind of hangs the whole film over kind of like the, you know, the mystery revenge over his brother and kind of like very loosely strings together um, some set pieces and some car chases and some strip club shootouts and bathhouse fights and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that that we'll get into. And I think what really holds the movie together is that Ringo Lamb just has such a kinetic movement and intensity for mm-hmm. him where he's just, like, always forcing Van Damme to be on the run or jumping yeah. into a fight. And it does have a really nice overall look to it, I think. This is shot by the dude who shot uh, one of our favorite Stone Cold, as well as Tremors. Um, Wait, and it, it had the same cinematographer? Yes, as... Oh, wow. um, uh, yeah, okay. as the uh, <laughs> Brian Bosworth film so Stone awesome. Cold. So, oh, of course, of course. It, it, it what def- other one is there? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah, and 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 there's you know there this is Toronto as New York, but you know like just the way that you know how much setting actually gets changed. Like he does fights inside burning law firms. He's in like these like neon purple glowing like crummy motels and and strip clubs. And just the focus on like alleys and like the kinetic movements like through them and stuff like that. There's rooftops and balcony chases, nice little Dutch angles and kind of stuff. It's a slaughterhouse uh, eventually, like randomly. Of course, yes, oh, yeah, and, 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 and it, do, it does just have some decent, like, gangster, it has a kind of a serious tone to it, which I think was does, one of the most yeah. surprising things about it at this point in Van Damme's career, because he was, he was, like, next up for him was Double Team. 
And if you right. tried to double feature this with double team, you would be like, these are two different action stars entirely. Like this is like pretty brutally violent and kind of low key on like a dramatic level. Um, even though yeah. it does have some pretty bombastic action to it. Yeah. Van Damme is definitely not his like confident, charming self in this film. He feels like very vulnerable. He's on the run constantly. He's just barely surviving every fight that he's in. And I, I kind of like that about uh, how they portray mm-hmm. him in this. Usually yeah. he has this hyper competency. But Van Damme's also one of those actors that is like in these in his films, he'll take hits all the time on like someone like Seagal who's just never, you know, no one ever touches him. He he gets right. roughed up in these scenes too, and I like that. But I feel like that's even more apparent in this. Like he gets pretty fucked up in this. Yeah, I also like that it starts with your kind of traditional Van Damme uh, character, at least what you would think is like it starts with an action sequence essentially where he's being chased down the streets. Um, and then it turns like after he goes through that and then that character dies, then we turn into, uh, Elaine Moreau where he's that less confident, uh, you know, he's kind of, uh, a, a, a character that's discovering things. So there's, he's, he's always in places that he's not used to and he's talking to people that, you know, he's investigating and all of that. So it is kind of cool to watch that switch. And then, um, it is also interesting to watch him play that character, while he's trying to play his brother, because there are certain scenes that we'll get to where he's, you know, disguised as his brother and he try, he has to try to act as him. It, they don't utilize it a lot, but it is in there. You don't really have any reference points for what his brother was like other than, you know, during that chase sequence where big, he gets yeah. killed. Yeah. I just have to fill in the gap. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you really but just I, but know I do that he was really love that opening. Mom. Of the uh, like the the bird's eye view shots of Nice that eventually drop into the alleys in the middle of the chase, and you just have like Jean Claude, wide eyed, leather jacket, goons coming after him. He's leaping from balconies like Jason Bourne style, which oh, yeah, is kind of yeah. like some of the stuff that it, this reminds me of a little bit. And getting into like the car chase on multiple terrains from like the inside and the outside of the vehicles yeah. doing these really pretty dangerous looking pretty, high speed maneuvers, like yeah. crashing downstairs and tight alleys, like not too dissimilar from something like Frankenheimer's like Ronin with like the big oh, yeah, uh, France yeah. chase scene in that. Oh yeah, definitely. And they also have some really cool Ringo does a, a lot of awesome camera placement where he puts the, like he'll put a camera and stabilize it on the, the side of a cart of vegetables while uh, the car is going down the street looking at the car that's chasing them. Um, there's some like POV windshield shots that are really cool going down the alleyway. Um, it's a, it's very impactful. Uh, he, he's a, he's great, uh, a great action director. Yeah, I think there's one scene yeah. where he's like tossed from one car to like another off the windshield. I mean, obviously it was probably a mm-hmm. double. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, that's, that, that was an interesting part too. When you watch that, um, you know, not knowing what's going to happen, obviously it's like, you're, you're just watching Van Damme. So then when he flies off the like little ramp, when the cars separate and they both crash and he just flies into that windshield oh, at full speed, I was really and just dies in the yeah, windshield. Yeah. Like, wow, <laughs> that was a really hard hitting, just very blunt death that they gave Van Damme right there. So I wasn't, and, and I was, I was kind of set up that this was another, uh, twin movie so i thought that those were going that that stuff was going to be actively in the film and so when he just like latently dies in front of you that was kind of shocking so he should have like yeah. landed on like uh the hood of this car and it should have been like the other van damme twin in the car being like oh. <laughs> like who no, the hell is this guy what? that's how he discovers yeah. it <laughs> yeah, discovers that, his long-lost brother that's how i would have wrote it <laughs> It's like He's Stuart shocking. Gordon stuck. He just gets yes. like a Van Damme oh stuck God. in his windshield and starts <laughs> driving around. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Oh my God. We're, 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 you know, we're, we're going to take another pass at the script right now. Yeah, um, let's remake this. 
<laughs> but no, the, the the stunt work in particular really, really stands out in this film. Like it's incredibly dangerous looking. It's done by this guy Charles Pacerni, uh, who's actually the dude who did stunts for Die Hard, Roadhouse, Last Boy Scout, True Lies. So you got <laughs> yeah. a little bit of that. And yeah, the guy that's... doing the car stunts is a guy who did a lot of the uh, James Bond films, the Roger Moore oh. Bond films, and some of the eighties oh. Bond films as well. Um, so you you have like two veteran uh, stunt guys working with Ringo Lamb, kind yeah. of to create these you know pretty Im- impressive little set pieces that then uh, the more sort of like clean cut van yeah. damme alain whose uh, partner alain. french french partner sebastian uh is uh turns him on to this case where he thinks his men are like playing a trick on him when they show him the corpse and they're like this is the corpse of like, like my buddy on, and they're guys. like no he just l- looks exactly yeah <laughs> this isn't a joke come on um and i do like that they have to he's already at a funeral for like a different cop or something oh and so God, they have to go get him oh, from yeah, a funeral right. That wasn't even his <laughs> twins. For you, just kind of a, that's where your brain goes because you just saw him die in the previous scene. Right. That's why I was. Yeah. Confused. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> yes. Yes. So then, so then he's introduced to his twin brother via his corpse, and his twin brother is Mikhail uh, Suvorov, uh, who was uh, given up at birth uh, by his mother due to how poor she was, and she gives a little kind of speech to him where she, uh, you know, basically, you know, admits that you know she he did have a twin brother that he never. Uh, uh, she never told him about. And I do like that Van Damme is very nice in this movie about it. He's just like, it, you know what, mom, you survived. You made a home for me. You did what you had to do. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't blame you at all, but, he's but so you should have told me. You I, know? I'm actually kind of shocked. <laughs> like he's, no, it's cool. I understand you did what you had to do. Even when he finds out like his twin brother was not such a good guy. He was like this like Russian gangster, you know, he still doesn't blame him. Cause he's just like, well, you know, what choice did he have? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's that he, was, he was trying to come home. He, he was, was trying alone. to leave the lifestyle, you know? <laughs> I mean, you do find out later on there's you know, more to it than him just being a Russian gangster. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and I do love the line that his partner gives him when he goes and, and tells uh, Sebastian about it. And he's just, Sebastian, the French guy, he's just like, in his French accent, he's like, parents, they always lie to their children to prepare them for the way that they're going to be treated by their government. <laughs> oh my God, that was a good line. Yeah. yeah, such a good line. I wrote that one down too. Uh, and then, I mean, later on too, with all the FBI stuff, it's a, it's a decent line. Oh yeah, it totally fits into like the sort of like paranoid conspiracy thriller element where it it, it does kind of become a little bit of like the identity thriller and murder mystery aspect where he does travel to the adoption lawyers and he starts pulling at the thread. He's like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? How did he end up dead on his way home to me? And so... He goes to the the uh, the uh, adoption lawyers, and before he even gets there, he's getting into like a staring contest with a large blonde Russian man in an oh, elevator. And and, and and I love how sketchy, Ringo. Anytime you see a oh, sketchy, anytime you see a sketchy dude coming out of like a, a lift or a hallway out of <laughs> someone's room, you know something bad just happened. Something's going down. Yeah, but but I love how <laughs> he builds up to it too. Like he's really good at suspense. He's really good at like, oh, this is the scene where they just go to the lawyer's office, and it would in in the early Van Damme movies where it, from a director who worked for Canon, it would literally just be like he showed up and they gave him the information. And you yeah. know, in this, it's like no, there's like something together. is wrong the second they enter the building, and yeah. then before they even get in the door, they see the 
smoke protruding like yes. underneath yeah. the door frame. Yeah. And he goes in, the place is on fire. The lawyer has been shot in the head and his brains are on his desk. <laughs> yeah. And the whole really? place is like completely ablaze. Like there's just the light rays and the smoke and the gruesome pools of blood everywhere. Like it's just, you know, it's a, and, and he gets into a pretty sweet fight with this guy who is very much like a Dolph Lundgren type in terms oh, of yeah. physicality. I almost thought it was um, Dolph for a minute, <laughs> strangely enough. And then I'm like, well, no, he, he would have been an established uh, action star at this point. But he looks exactly yes. like him. I'm really impressed and, with, and, like, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I'm really impressed with, like, how fast people got out of their apartments in this building because they were just like, well, there's a fire. <laughs> Everyone just starts running out of their apartments and they're, like, out of there. Like, no one's grabbing any of their shit. It's like, it would have been, like, going for all my shit, man. I'd be grabbing my Blu-rays, my cat, all this stuff. I don't know, man. It is a big nah, blaze. Like, it, like I, that I think flight. it was the addition of fire plus big blonde oh, Russian yeah, yeah. man. I guess there was <laughs> yeah. a big blonde Russian guy fighting Van Damme. Yeah, they, yeah. they just see, like, they're like, wow, Van Damme is being, like, hurled into the yeah. flames by this man. Like, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> He's being like, thrown out the windows and, like, hanging onto the edge of, like, a cracking window pane, which is a pretty cool stunt that Van Damme gets to do. There's, like, like a big apartment fire set piece in Replicant, too, the other Ringo Lamb JCVD joint. Ringo Lamb loves fire set loves pieces. Fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he definitely does. He, he, all of his movies have fire in the titles, like City on Fire, Prison on Fire, School on Fire. Oh, oh, of course, yes. Yeah, literally in the title of many of his films. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but 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 Van Damme, uh, after doing the set piece, he finds out through the papers that Mikhail Suvorov was adopted by a Russian family that immigrated to New York, where he became a big time little Odessa gangster. And so he assumes his identity. He steals his passport. He gets his plane ticket and he heads to the Big Apple where he is chatting up with quirky cabbies who are uh, also like want wannabe novelists who are like praising Brett Easton Ellis to him. <laughs> I was like, does Van Damme know what this guy's talking about? <laughs> what was all, he had all uh, these crazy articles in his cab too. Like, I don't know if he I was, was trying to figure that out. Actually, this I was guy, like, this like, is a just a conspiracy QAnon guy or what? Like, yeah, I, I guess, it, I guess it was like, cause after he started just talking about wanting to be a writer, I assumed that those were all just like inspirational uh, real stories that he was going to take for his crime novels or something like that. I, I I wasn't totally sure, but he's kind of an eccentric and fun character, even though he's kind yeah. of random <laughs> a little bit. Van Damme? Yeah, he, he, he exists for Van Damme to mourn him. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> right. I, I, Van, Van Damme at one point is just like, oh, please just stop tucking and help me find this guy. Like, it's just like, yeah, this is obviously the perfect guy to help you find someone because he will just obsess over every detail, losing his mind and spiraling out of control and obsessing over it, so. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he also finds like a, a nice old man who used to know Mikhail from his time on the streets. And there's a great shot of like Van Damme reflected in that man's glasses at one point. There's a lots of nice little kind of like little visual details kind of peppered um, throughout this. Um, but then he, you know, he's also he's basically trying to trace Mikhail's footsteps. And he runs into a woman at the club named Alex, played by Natasha Henstridge, um, who gives him this like flea bag motel key. And he also in the alley runs into a gangster named Yuri, uh, who works for a gangster named Ivan, who works for a gangster named <laughs> Dimitri. I was That's trying to right. there's a there's a hot, established hierarchy and Van Damme kind of meets them one at a time. <laughs> yeah. Alex is kind of like, what are you doing here? You know, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you showed up. 
everyone yes yeah, so meanwhile he's outside like getting stabbed and like breaking dudes arms and like you know throwing their heads through windshields there is a great moment where he spin kicks and sweep kicks a goon's legs while he's standing on the hood of a car oh, which yeah, actually matches classic. a stunt that he does later where he's standing on the hood of a car which gets smashed into and makes him just fall onto the other car oh, yeah. <laughs> he, he sweep kicks a dude on the hood of a car i think in hard target as well classic van damme it, move he just yeah. he, he loves that if you're move. Standing uh, on a on a hood of a car and JCVD is on the ground, like you're getting sweet kicks. You're just setting yourself. Yeah, up for that sweet kick. <laughs> I would just watch out. I just w- I wouldn't put myself in that position personally. <laughs> Uh, but he also does to does get to do the 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 classic girlfriend mix up from Double Impact where the uh, where Mikhail's girlfriend is is really into him and take he takes just a little bit too long to tell say, her otherwise. There's Wait, so you know? many chances yeah. where he has the opportunity, but he keeps doing that He's thing where like, it's like, oh, uh, oh I'm about to talk, happen. and then oh I guess I just can't. Keeps getting pushed into the back. Like there's there's even a moment right before she pushes him out the door where there's like a five second. Uh, just of emptiness, no dialogue where she's pushing him out the door. And I'm like, that, that's it. That's where you tell her. That's okay. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. But it, but it, it leads into one of the first like kind of big set pieces of the film where she's kind of like trying to kiss him and talk dirty to him in, in the motel, even though, you know, he knows that he and by extension, her are kind of being hunted by these Russian gangsters trying to kill his brother because they think that he's his brother. And I do love in the motel room, just the design, like the, the purple neon glow of it. And like all the shots of their eyes looking through the peepholes, watching the gangsters and Ivan, the one gangster is played by Zach Grenier from uh, fight club and Zodiac. And he's coming through and, uh, it, it triggers like what is a classic Ringo Lamb multi-level, multi-location chase set piece where it starts as like a rooftop chase with the electric guitars wailing. They fall down into the strip club where a gunfight ensues. <laughs> and again, they're saying this is New York. And I just love that you can see all the club Zanzibar signs everywhere. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wonder if they shot it in there. I, I'm not they actually, did, dude. I've not actually been to Club Zanzibar, sadly. We should all know. No, that, that's, the, that, that's the thing is uh, Brandon and I, we are Toronto boys, but, uh, you know, it's a, little, it's a little slimy. It's a little slimy. Even just the reputation of Club Zanzibar, it is known as, like, one of the more, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. low-rent strip clubs even in... Uh, in in toronto so but it's it's very funny that you know just to get van damme getting shot at while the neon zanzibar sign is taking bullet shots while he's Honestly, running this past it club kind of reminded me of the one from sopranos that is it called the uh not the titty twister but bada bing yes titty twister is the one in from just till dawn i think but bada bing is the one in sopranos but i don't know just the way like how slow like the dances are all moving and it's yeah, so the, but they go from the roof into the strip club into a young street car chase where the blonde, blonde Russian dude is firing Uzis at their cab while they drive through people like on a sidewalk, like Larry <laughs> yeah. Cohen style. Like I was like, that's an incredibly dangerous maneuver. All these pedestrians trying to get out of the way while they're driving the it's cab on many, uh, the sidewalk. Crazy how many movies have done like this classic just like car chase down young street mayhem on the sidewalk like shots like I can like, you know, incredible hulk they had that with the one with uh, edward norton yes uh what's the other movie that yeah i love that you can always in both of these films you can see that and the hulk movie you can see the the future shops in the background oh, sorry yeah. this is kind of like a canadian reference heavy oh, episode so <laughs> apologies to all the like non-canadians oh, who are yeah, we're, we're obsessing yeah, we're over van damme shooting on our main street <laughs> i mean there's also that one shot of Funland arcade uh which mm. was this really iconic arcade 
Toronto on Young Street, just north of Dundas. I used to hang out there like all the time, just playing. Tech oh, dude, dude! Better. Someone mentioned this to me the other day too, because they brought up the Incredible Hulk thing. The Incredible Hulk also has Big Slice in it when oh, it used to be yes, uh, right. on Young Street. Big Slice to go there. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. When, when I, it, I, the, the only time I ever saw them shoot something on Young Street was when they were shooting Suicide I was Squad. Say, yeah, I was, yeah. I, I was, I was walking home from school and I literally saw the purple Lamborghini oh, with yeah. uh, Batman <laughs> riding on top of it, literally fly by me, and I was kind of like, oh. I guess I guess Batman is going to be pretty sweet to see. Pat Fleck was in town that day. <laughs> yep, and and so Jean Claude he had his own experience doing this in this set piece, and it is a pretty like in, intensely shot little set piece with lots of really quick uh, cutting and sort of camera maneuvering that they're doing, um, and it does result eventually in the cabbie unfortunately getting killed and, and really taking things to that personal level. Cause this is the thing is they are kind of straining beyond the mystery with the brother to make this kind of like on an, an immediate drama level. Like what is Van Damme's, you know, other, like what else is he doing? They're like, well, he, he mourns this personality of the city. And then also yeah. he starts getting into a relationship with the girlfriend. And like, that's kind of all that they could kind of come up with for him. Um, because they really want to focus on this this mystery where he's like heading to Mikhail's house where it's been presumably torn apart by the Russians or the FBI trying to cover up their collusion with one another. And there's this whole thing about like he has some sort of evidence that proves it that he kept in the bank in Nice, which is what they were trying to hunt after him for. And he's figuring all this out by just like walking through his nice steely house in all these like Dutch angles and tracking shots through it where both the Russians and agents eventually arrive and Van Damme has to fight them both yeah he says something quite mournful to the cabbie after he realizes he's been shot and he was just like you were supposed to go home and write oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they even do a little, write your novel they even do a reference where the guy uh he's like uh that's great an unexpected development the whole thing's so scary and then he dies but just to include the line <laughs> unexpected development like the the story is progressing i thought was kind of kind of oddly funny for the tone that it's taking yeah yes yes but but the, the the fights that he gets into in 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 the house are are again they're not like particularly focused on sort of like long martial arts fights it's more like he just like approaches a russian goon and just like breaks his arm yeah you know yeah. or you know he smashes an agent's face in with their own guns or something like that or the, the one dude he just beats up with a mirror and then gets like that that momentary moment where he's like he's looking into the broken mirror and he's it's like a like a who am i moment <laughs> right what have i become i'm such a monster in the now. broken reflection he's like am i my vicious gangster russian gangster brother you know who <laughs> right. am i becoming he probably has that moment every time he looks into a mirror in real life yeah <laughs> but it, it does lead to him going to uh and beating david cronenberg to the russian bathhouse oh fight God. from eastern oh, yeah. promises so eastern in an promises. amazing set piece where uh he goes to confront uh, uh, Kiriv, who is the head Russian mobster, who is the one who's been commanding Ivan, and he finds out that this entire time that Ivan has been, as an underling, kind of going rogue, trying to kill uh, uh, Mikhail. Um, and Kirev is basically like shocked to be like, oh my God, you know, what the fuck? You, I, I told you to bring him in alive. So he shuns him and it results in Ivan having to send the big blonde Russian in uh, for a less dong heavy version of the fight from Eastern 
promises, but no less sweaty. And even <laughs> just seeing Van Damme just rock the towel in this fight there's and one, do the, the uh, spin kicks and jump kicks. They're beautiful. There's one shot where he like leaps over a guy and does a spin kick or something. And it's just like, there's no way you would have not seen his balls in this shot. <laughs> yeah. It was kind no. of like, a ring, or just Ringo Lamb's just a, that amazing of a director that he hid them somehow with the magic of camera work, but <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah, it is missing a little bit of hog, but it's still a really good action sequence. He had really well, and it's very violent. Like like the yeah. the Kiriv getting gutted with the knife. Oh. You 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 watch that thing go in and watch it just like gush blood everywhere. It's just as you feel like he's got a footing, or he's you know he's made a friend with someone kind of high up who could finally start putting things right. And it's like no, he's also going to be brutally murdered right in front of you. And you're also on another on the run set piece. By the way, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. definitely like a nihilism to Ringo Lamb's films for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and even just like, you know, because like there's very, you know, it's, it's a it's a really solid sweaty fight between the two toweled up, you know, uh, martial artists. And you just get Kira of just getting executed in the background by Ivan and also Van Damme getting clothed extremely fast as he goes. You know, he got dressed. Though. That was that was insane. It's impressive. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it, it it turns into a street chase shootout with cars narrowly missing him and gunfire being like shot into crowds of, of people and doing this moment, which by the way, I, I ended up, I, I tweeted this scene out because I thought this action scene was so sick. Number one, because it's, he leaps in front of an above ground subway car that almost hits him as he bunny hops from one track onto another track. And a goon actually replicates the stunts and follows him. And Van Damme gets to watch that guy get hit by the second subway train coming the other direction. It's a huge, amazing dummy hit that that guy takes. (laughs) And then Van Damme falls between them and hangs on to the bottom of the tracks until he falls onto the streets below in a single shot where then he's arrested by the NYPD. And I was sitting there going, this is the best Toronto for New York dress up I've ever seen. And I have since found out through the magic of tweeting the scene out and having so many people look into this. This is the one minute of the movie they shot in New York. Oh, yes, <laughs> I did shoot a bit of footage in New York. Yes, because because they needed specifically that above ground, like the way oh, that they the choreographed subway. it, they were like, we need the above ground subway going over the cars because or else this whole part where, you know, Jean-Claude goes up the stairs and leaps over and then falls down between the tracks, like none of that makes sense. But what's so funny is they still couldn't make that work in New York. So they shot it in New York and Philly. <laughs> So wow. so New York is all the street level stuff and the platform stuff is all Philadelphia, which actually does kind of look like what Toronto's, um, uh, you know, sort of outdoor subway portions kind of look like. But it's just it's, again, it's very, very sneaky in the shooting and the cutting because Ringo Lamb is just, you know, he's he's he makes this all kind of look like one area. And it looks like a really intensely choreographed scene, especially considering he's cutting two different cities together. Mm hmm. And, and just amazing. Yeah. The dummy hit, the sparks flying. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it results in him being captured by the cops and the agents who have been, the FBI agents who have been hunting him down, bail him out and uh, kidnap uh, the, the girlfriend, Alex, to coerce him into getting uh, the evidence in the bank deposit back in France. So again, this movie just moves so yeah. much. Like, it, like I yeah. swear, like, like well he... he 
as soon as he finds out about the death, he's already fighting in an on-fire lawyer's office. He's stealing the plane ticket and going to New York. He's getting into the fights in the motels and Young Street. And then he's getting into the strip clubs and he's getting into the subway platforms. Then he's being arrested and flown back to France. Like this, this <laughs> moves at like a really, really intense pace to it. And this final set piece that he gets to go through is uh, insane. I also love oh, it yeah. whenever there's like two guys on official business searching for Van Damme, like across like countries and different places, like in like Forrest Whitaker and that other dude in Bloodsport. And <laughs> these two guys yes. in these movies, like there's always <laughs> like you can't just look for Van Damme by yourself. Like you need somebody to help you with that. You know, same thing with Lionheart, I believe yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always has agents pursuing him as like a B yeah. as, as a B plot, and He's, and all, they're always pursuing him for being like way too damn cool, too damn you know, cool. for like you know? going a wall to like help a woman or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, I also forgot about the brief bathroom sex scene while in the motel oh, yeah. while the agents are like listening to him. I, I forgot too that like this is around the time that Van Damme was actually doing more like Hollywood sex scenes because we've watched the sex scene with Van Damme evolve because in oh, the yeah. early goings you never actually saw it. And you never saw the girl. You just saw his form. Away. You just saw his butt. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. This was a good sex scene. This was a good sex scene. And 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 this was like more like after like nowhere to run era. He kind of switched to no no no. He's going to do more traditional sex scenes. You're still going to see his butt, and you're still going to you know uh, you know it's still going to get the get the sweat going with him. But that's it. Yeah. Although I do, I do find it funny that they include the detail that the agents are like listening to them the entire time, oh, yeah, which then so turns so into the scene where the agents are, are forcing them to go into the bank, but bank policy dictates that he can only go into the vault room on his own to go in and he, he gets the money, he gets the evidence, he gets a gun where we get the backstory that he turns out he's like a, like a, an expert marksman war veteran. Then the brother left them a gun to specifically to be like, this is for you to take care of business, by the way. <laughs> and he's listening to the tape recording that the brother left him, which is probably the closest this gets to a piece of like real dramatic acting for Van Damme, having to listen to yeah. his brother, like tell him that, you know, the mob is this in incredibly poisonous thing that was destroying my life. And I wanted to quit and come back to you and come back to my family. And, you know, watching Van Damme's face while he's like listening to Van Damme on the tape is probably the closest this gets to giving him like a real piece of uh, melodrama and it's quite good like van damme at yeah, this point in his career he's, he started to nail the uh teary-eyed stare into the distance a little bit yeah he just yeah he's got them welling this. up as he's saying like i hope we're listening to this tape together stuff like that like it's it, yeah it's 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 pretty good i definitely felt the drama in this scene i know this is supposed to be like a little bit more of a dramatic role for him the movie presents it that way but he does feel like a little dry and stiff in this i just feel like he hasn't <clears> had the, the weight of having gone through his career and sort of taking this nosedive and then kind of coming back with like the JCVD movie that sort of rejuvenated his career and, and consideration as like a bona fide actor. It's not quite there yet, uh, but th there is something like he, he feels like more of like a cipher in this film where you're sort of like learning more about his brother than you are about him. But yeah, that's, that's true. true for sure. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, but I but I I I, I do like uh, you know he's like either we are reunited like we should have always been or I am dead and you should trust no one and so <laughs> he immediately is like yeah I get well I guess you know the, the the latter happened so you know and he finds out that you know the documents are in there as as evidence of the collusion so he said he's like immediately like hey banker take these to the american embassy and i'm gonna take the gun and you know oh yeah and the money is for you and 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 our mother and uh you know so he's he 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 knows what he has to do which is he asks the (laughs) banker in france for a cigarette He's like, sir, can I have a cigarette? This is France. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> and the guy, the guy gives cigarette. it to him, which he uses to trigger the sprinklers as he's trying to make his way out of the bank. And Ivan, having kind of predicted that something was going wrong, sends the blonde Russian henchman in who kills the banker before he can even take that evidence to the embassy, triggering one of the better fights in the film, which is a grappling fight inside the elevator. Um, yeah. I really appreciated like the like mixed martial arts in this. Like you don't see JCVD doing much grappling in his films. Like they, they definitely were sort of expanding on his wheelhouse of moves in this. I think yeah, he's really using really a lot more submissions and yeah. and and that kind of thing. Um, you still got obviously you got to have a couple classic kicks in there, but for, sure. uh, for the most part, it, it is a lot more submission based. And I and I like the details here too because they're in a confined space, so he can't really do what he usually does. Um, but he still has these really cool moments like the, the sliding of the knife on the floor into his foot, for instance, where it shows like, that's so great. It's, it's amazing. And it's how he gets out of the chokehold and everything too. So it's like, it's intelligent and, um, and he's still able to, I guess, use his feet a little bit just in that coordination. And and just horrible because the idea that he like, he he, he kicked the knife out of his hand, the knife lands on the elevator floor. And while he's being like strangled to death, he works the knife using his feet so that he can direct it towards the dude's toes. And he literally reverse kicks it into his toes. And I was sitting there going, Oh God, I would just hate to be, that guy <laughs> then, there it was like a little brutal. bit of like a, a saxophone like flourish when that happens too uh, yeah. oh yes oh yeah <laughs> and there's even a little comedic beat when the, briefly they stop at one of the floors and passengers try to get in and the oh, russian yeah. guy is like yeah. get the fuck out of here yeah, he's like, get the fuck. <laughs> um and then this set piece uh makes its way outside where ivan has taken his partner Sebastian, his French partner, hostage, and is basically just mowing down French cops outside uh, <laughs> with, with 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 an Uzi, and it's it's getting a little crazy. He's driving a big van out in the in the the bank parking lot, basically. And there's a sick part where Jean Claude just cocks his gun in slow mo, and the audio drops entirely, except for like this sick like wailing twang hits in. And Van Damme just aims down sight as the camera racks focus to the barrel, basically oh, yeah. doing this like bullet time point of view shot as he headshots the dude driving Ivan's van. And you get the classic Ringo Lamb aftermath image of that dude's like eye being shot out of his head, basically. It's so kinetic, so too. Like all the steps, like the, the like the storyboard, I guess, of it all is amazing. Like just the, the close up of the barrel, the gunfire. Yeah the breaking of the windshield right into the headshot. Like it's just, it feels so connected. And the way they set up his relationship to the gun where they're like, you're yeah. a veteran marksman and you, we need you to go back to the old you right now, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. And just, and the shot too of like you were saying with the, the actual headshot itself is like the guy's, you know, he's, he's, his head has been it's graphic. Kind of blown back a little bit and like, it's just dripping out of his forehead. It is very graphic. It's wild. 
Yeah. And it's followed by him like shooting out the tires on Ivan's van, flipping it and exploding the car after like narrowly getting Sebastian out of it. And I was sitting there going, wow, we, we've had like the henchman fight. We've had the the Ivan car chase. We've had him headshotting dudes. What's left? And I completely forgot about the FBI agents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, what's, what's and I was cool? like, oh, there's still a whole nother like multi-tier set piece left in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are these FBI agents? Uh, the bald guy, he had a little bit of a head bump, right? Was it Paul Van Victor, Agent Pellman? Uh, yes. He's got a bit of a head bump. I wonder if like him and Van Damme bonded over their like head bumps <laughs> at all. And he's, and he's like, okay, let's get this guy, you know? Or <laughs> right, the I'm little sure. goosebumps on their forehead, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was always I curious know. about that, actually, and I never asked. Does, is that just a natural thing that Van Damme has, or is that like a fighting injury or something like that? I think it's uh, never looked into it. That's a good question. Yeah, the, I've always that? been just, curious. I, I, I'll just can, wiki it tonight, maybe. But I, we're <laughs> gonna have to pose it once again to the listeners. Yeah. Let us know. Let Anyone know. knows? <laughs> did Did you personally give Jean Claude a goose egg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you know that story, let us dare. know. Yes, but yeah, he has to chase down these FBI agents because they still have the girlfriend, Alex, and there is that there is that great stunt where he jumps on the hood just in time for them to crash into it, knocking him off, and you do get a repeat of this sort of like niece car chase from the opening where yeah, he's now taken yep. his brother's role, and it is it does feel like he is like meant to, he's do, do, getting a do-over, but he's going to take these guys down. Yeah, they um, do like very time. similar styles where they're, you know, they're ramming into each other, they're kind of just barely uh, the getting sparks out of flying the tight squeeze through the alley shots yeah. that they're doing they even do a split up where in the first scene you know it's where uh van damme or the first van damme dies um where they kind of split off and go off ramps but this time they both survive like i think the feds go over some water and then land on a dock um yeah they, they go cool. through like the dock markets briefly yeah yeah so it is it is cool to see that reflection in this scene they, I do like that they also include one detail in here, which I have to assume is partially Van Damme's thing, where Van Damme likes to stop a set piece sometimes and like improvise a moment where he's like nice to somebody because <laughs> right, he's a yeah. good guy. He's <laughs> yeah. not the bad guy. You have to know that a little bit, even if he's like going back to the old violent him and headshotting people. You know, you got to know that he's a, and there is the part in this where he apologizes to the guy for stealing his car. He's like, I'm, oh, yeah. you know, he's like, I'm taking I'm taking this. He's like, I'm sorry, but I'm taking that, you know, like. <laughs> and it, it reminds me of that part in a double team where he asks those guys if they have parachutes before kicking them out of like the airplane that he, like they're doing like the prison oh, escape yeah. cliffhanger stunt where and he literally before like these are like dudes who run this like international agent conspiracy prison. And he's just like, do you guys have parachutes, by the way, before I throw you out of this plane? There you go. Or kick them out, of course. Yeah. You know, he's a considerate guy. And <laughs> this chase leads to them driving into a meat freezer with pig carcasses everywhere. Yeah, and this is after and they like go through an explosion of mopeds and then through the wall into the slaughterhouse. Yeah. It's wild. Just crazy stunt work being done just overall. Um <laughs> And it results in a eventual gunfight, uh, which is there's there's a part where he's like shooting the pig carcass uh, hooks off so that he can then shoot the one guy, and then also getting into a chainsaw fight oh, with yeah, the other FBI wild. agent. Randomly, out of nowhere, <laughs> that guy grabs a chainsaw. I it was so excited. <laughs> yeah, it just starts turning into the. 
Yeah, what was that action movie we watched just like, it, it was last year sometime where they fight with chainsaws at the end. I think it's a yeah, Hong it was, Kong it was movie the, too. Oh, Tiger yeah, Lion, it was the one Tiger that I had Lion. I had all of you watch in our uh, virtual group watch where we did uh, Lao Kar Lung's Tiger oh, on the Beat yeah. with Chow Yun-Fat. Oh, so so sick. So yeah, I was Which very ends on a chainsaw on chainsaw, uh, like martial arts fight. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. So I was pretty excited to see another chainsaw in one of these martial art finales, even though, you know, it, it's not utilized by any means to the same degree, but it's, uh, it's still just so awesome. Well, to that, see. That, that's what differentiates once again, guy, right? Ringo. Isn't yeah, it yeah. Well, so and just that's to, it. For, that, for that kind of character too, to be wielding a chainsaw at the end of something like this, at, at the end of this, like, political oh, it's very conspiracy. silly. Well, and that's it. That's what Ringo Lamb is so interesting at because, like, he he definitely worked in a very similar industry as these guys like Lau Kar Lung and John Woo, who would take that and milk it for like full cartoon yeah. pageantry of it. And yeah. Ringo Lamb will take those same silly gestures, but he will then do them in like this more like gruesome kind of serious tone, where like, yeah, it's just an FBI agent wielding a chainsaw and Van Damme <laughs> is fighting him. It was and beside. it turns into this thing where Van Damme does do something amazing, where he grabs a mm. meat hook, he. Slides a, he he attaches his feet to it and <laughs> slides across it upside down so that he can grab a pistol from the oh ground that fell during the fight and shoot the agent in the dick <laughs> who's wielding the chainsaw trying to slice him in half. And the dude doesn't just like get shot in the dick and fall down. He like very slowly falls in a way where the chainsaw cuts the entire frozen pig in half. And you Down watch him fall for like 15 seconds before he dies. Oh, I, and I, I don't even think that he kills him actually. I think he just like, he, he intentionally shoots the one FBI agent in the arm and the other one in the dick. <laughs> so that, that he doesn't kill them, I guess. Yeah, did he not die? Oh, damn. I don't. I. I, I think they're still squirming, yeah. and we don't go back to them. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. They move on their, pretty their quickly. Their fate is undetermined. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, that when and I saw that hooks that hook move, I thought that that was really, really creative and very, very awesome. Tricky. Yeah. Very, very good. Pretty much where um, my notes end on this. I don't. Yeah, I mean, they, they have like one little epilogue that I thought was kind of it's a little silly to kind of include where it's just like they find out, you know, it's like, Oh, he's got the money and he's rich now. He doesn't have to work anymore. And the evidence that he found got all the other remaining bad guys arrested. And also he's introducing <laughs> yeah. the girlfriend to his mom and it, you know, every, you know everything gets wrapped up all nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, things worked out for him. They had to have that like sweet, very sentimental Jean-Claude Van Damme moment too. He's like, uh, she's like, what, what are you going to tell her? She's like, well, I'll just say she's just like her, his brother, you know, nice, kind, compassionate, Aww. empathetic, you know, yeah. Then I they just walk she, off in love. I wonder if she, she's even going to tell her parents like that it's a different, like the brother or if she's going to be like, yeah, this is the guy I've been dating this whole time. That you have <laughs> yeah, it would be, you know, it would be kind of a weird conversation to be like, yeah. no, it, it's, I, we are dating, but it's his, it's his brother, it's his you know, brother. it's his identical brother. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, that uh, pivoting, I think, towards the reductive rating round, which for you, Brandon, is where we remove all the words and all the nuance and reduce the movie to a number between one and five. But it's also become kind of like final statements or, um, you know, kind of any scenes or lines we might uh, not have hit while we were talking about it. Um, and uh, for me, 
I'm going to stick, I think, with the uh, very, very high three. And it is a mm-hmm. very high three. Like, this was kind of like I, I, I slept on this one and I was like, this might be kind of like the, the low four for me because it is very, very solidly directed. And some of the complaints we've had over the course of Van Damme's early stuff was that, you know, he's so athletic and so skilled and he just wasn't you know, matched with a director who was putting in the same level of effort that he was. And in this case, I think absolutely he was, even though the script, you know, is just as generic as, you know, some of the uh, other American action films that, that he was doing kind of early on. But I, but I, I will say like, it's cool to see Van Damme do the international identity sort of like gangster conspiracy thriller, like almost born or Ronin were things that I was thinking of or of early on. And then, you know, done and, and bring a new Hong Kong director to American audience. In, in Ringo Lam, this was his American debut. And I, I, I just do think that, unfortunately, for all the bombastic action, it is surprisingly light on the heroic bloodshed melodrama, which is kind of what I was hoping a little bit more of. So comparing to earlier Van Dams, I do think that this is better than those. But comparing to other Ringo Lams, yeah. I'm kind of like, ah, oh, I, 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 I think the American script leaves him a little lacking by Larry Ferguson. It's, it's more concerned about, like, keeping the various generic plot threads about the FBI and the yeah. Russians kind of going. And I was expecting this being a, a twin movie. I was like, I kind of expected more of the twin stuff. You know, it's just... It's it's so deadly serious and lacking some of those like Jean Claude isms that were fun about his when he co-wrote his movies, yeah. uh, like cucking himself in the fantasy or <laughs> drunkenly beating the shit out of himself, or monologuing about America, or you know, like think, you know, there's some stuff and story-wise, it's just it's a little flavorless and, and and impersonal in a way that even the stuff that he co-wrote wasn't. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it could have just used something that was like as intense or filled with heartache as, for example, that moment where Chow Yun Fat is like begging Danny Lee to kill him in the finale of like City on Fire. I was oh, like, yeah. man, Jesus imagine Christ. Van Damme doing that scene, but with like another Van Damme. Yeah. You know, it was it was his brother or something. I would have been I would have cried. I would have been like, this is the best movie I've uh, yeah, ever seen. Or even like him discovering maybe what his brother was like by actually acting as him in more scenes as well like yeah putting on more of like a performance yeah like milking that that for like the suspense more yeah yeah and you know he discovers himself along the way as he discovers who his brother was and all that but and there's there's little there's small moments of it but it's just it, it is really heavily focused you're right on like the the fbi stuff and more of the the logistical plotting i guess yeah, and, and it just it doesn't have enough uh, like personality for those characters, in my opinion, mm, if yeah. that's what it kind of like wants to do. But otherwise, you know, like uh, Van Damme is, you know, this is relatively kind of low key and normal performance they ask of him. He does OK with it. Yeah. I do like the run and gun nature of the way that Ringo Lamb directs it, like the entire look of it, the insanely dangerous looking stunts, the crazy, you know, sort of like wild Dutch, Dutch angles and like punchy tracking maneuvers he'll suddenly do. And the fist fights and gunfights are very gruesome and like well done. So, you know, despite the fact that Lamb doesn't have like a ton to work with, it's all very kinetically assembled and it just sprints from set piece to set piece. And uh, yeah, and it's a book ended by two very solid car chases in France. There's a sweaty, gnarly bathhouse fight in the middle of it. He's doing one of the scariest subway leap uh, stunts that I've ever seen. So yeah, I'm I, so comparing this to his non Hong Kong directed stuff, the action is a massive upgrade. Um, yeah. So very, very high three for me still. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you. I just, I think the, the action is fantastic under the the uh, the eye of Ringo Lamb. He's just so good. He's so bombastic, but so coherent 
and I just I, I love when he when I watch a Ringo Lamb movie just because I know the action is going to be fantastic. Um, Van Damme, I think, is doing an okay job here with the dramatics, uh, but he doesn't have a lot to chew on, and I almost want him to have more. I do think that if he dove into like the connection with his brother a little more, maybe, like I said before, um, having more scenes where he is even acting like him uh, throughout different uh, scenarios might have been something they could have done. Um, but yeah, I, I do I do love the action, though. Every single sequence in this is, is fantastic and just so high energy, and uh, it's, it's really good stuff. I just... Um, I definitely have seen better from Ringo Lamb, so it is it is in the high three territory for me. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add, so high three. Sweet for for you, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, I tend to just rate everything either three and a half or four, which is stupid, but I, I'm going to probably give this a high three as well. I, I think the fact that there wasn't enough personality to go between not just one Van Damme but two Van Damme brothers kind of that feels like a missed opportunity. They could have easily mm. added in some a flashback sequence or two with Natasha, Natasha Henstrich's character and the dead Van Damme brother just to sort of, you know, mm, yeah. maybe give you a little bit of, like, personality or, or kind of, like, some kind of memory, you know, would have added a little bit more character and drama. Uh, in terms of, like, the heroic bloodshed elements, I did feel some of those, but if they had really gone, like, full heroic bloodshed, I, I feel like the brother would have survived a little bit longer, you know, at, at least gone through some things with Van Damme. I know we've already gotten that film with like you know double impact but you know you could you could have had one of the brothers dying like a shootout at the end or something like that it would have been you know maybe maybe it would have been a little more impactful or yeah that would have been interesting to see yeah just van damme like physically mourning another van damme right there like yeah that would have been pretty just scream crying and (laughs) wet and sweaty and yeah gets Uh, up and starts kicking everything and breaking it because he's just so passionate definitely yeah so yeah, I, I don't know. The action was good. This is this definitely has Ringo Lamb's mark all over it. And you know, and, and Ringo Lamb is also one of those Hong Kong directors that he, he's so like he definitely represents that golden era of Hong Kong action cinema. But he's he also is a bit of a maverick. Like his his work stands out uh, from his peers, like you know John Woo and Choi Hawk. Like it, it there's mm. a grittiness to it. Uh, it's a little bit you know it's not as graceful, uh, but it's also you know uh, precisely executed. There's a causality of, you know, everything just goes from point A to point B. That's that's very satisfying and economical. And, yeah, so this is a three, mm-hmm. maybe a three and a half. Look awesome. up for my yeah. letterbox review later to see which one I actually land on. But <laughs> Hell, yeah. No, same, same, same for us. Um, but, yeah, that will wrap it up for Maximum Risk. We are going to be right back, and we're going to be talking about knockoff. So stick around. And definitely fucking stick around. This is what you've saying. <laughs> you lied to me! Send the detonation signal. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road? You better buy some new CDs, Harry. It's pathetic. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Knock off. All right, we are back and we are talking knockoff, the 1998 American and Hong Kong espionage action thriller film directed by Choi Hawk and starring once again, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And yeah, this is this is an interesting point in his career, because as we mentioned, this might be the last theatrical release uh, that he got, because before this. 
he brought uh, the, he did two collaborations with Choi Hawk. Uh, we covered one of them, which you can find on an old episode with Hard Target. We talked about um, Double Team because that was him bringing Choi Hawk over to the U.S. And we've covered Choi Hawk actually quite a few times with Once Upon a Time in China and his fantasy masterpiece uh, Green Snake, which oh we've covered God. on the show as well. Uh, one of the just my favorite movies. I, I don't um, know if I've seen Green Snake. Oh, it's oh, so Green good. Snake is amazing. Yeah, check I it out. Like yeah, I feel like I've seen a lot of Troy Hawk movies, but every time I look at his filmography, there's always just like, oh, shoot, I haven't seen the Butterfly Murders or... That, yes, that. no. The, he he has one of those careers, and he's really exemplified even in Hong Kong for just like how you know wild his films were able to to get like because because he was one he was like he was a, a major producer yeah. and he actually produced so uh, much produced, and had major falling outs with most of the Hong Kong filmmakers that we know and love. Well, yeah, even <laughs> him and John Woo, I think they had a falling out over a Better Tomorrow two or three or maybe, uh, some some somewhere between those sequels. I, John would definitely did that. Yeah, he ended up taking over, I think, for the third one. Yeah, and yeah. I think the falling out might have happened on the second one. Yeah, I don't think John would wanted to do that sequel at all. No, no. But 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 he was also like just one of like it's so interesting because like Choi Hawk, you have on one hand, you have he's kind of known as like one of the more sort of like ruthless business-oriented producers, but also probably the most stylistically experimental of all of the same of, guys who came. A lot of risk. Well, and, and those are just two qualities you don't usually see in the same person. <laughs> for sure, yeah. That's a good point. And, and which, which makes him like incredibly unique. So when he came, when Van Damme brought him over for double team um, and knockoff, they were basically his all ended up being on, his only American films because they were critical and financial disasters, in part because unlike Lamb, who in Maximum Risk, I think not necessarily downplayed the Hong Kong influence, but kind of he, his, his style fit into a gruesome run and gun style American action yeah. film. Whereas like Choi Hawk, he kind of green snake is almost a cartoon. Yeah. And so like when you get to things like double team, it's insanely energetic, beautiful colors, insane angles and like transitions and hyperactivity that you just creates this very weird tone. And it's like a goofy sci-fi mission impossible slash bond slash face off. And, it's uh, not as clean or elegant as Wu and just a lot more oddball, but it's really stayed with me as a result. And I wish I had a chance to rewatch it because I think we high three that when we, when we covered it with yeah, Will Menneker, but did. going back, I, I do wonder watching knockoff if I'm just like more on the wavelength of it now and would <laughs> totally. be more into Dennis Rodman making basketball puns about like, you know, offense wins games. Yeah, but defense wins championships while he's like in his like cool gender fluid costumes and like doing the rapping nursery rhymes yeah. or whatever it's that he's so doing. And, yeah, and there's an entire Mickey Rourke in the middle of like a Coliseum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, where, where he set up landmines and a tiger with his baby, <laughs> his newly born baby from his kidnapped pregnant wife in the middle of the Coliseum. Yeah, this might like, be a just, four. That might have been a four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, and, and the, the Sammo Hung choreographed action, like a dude who kicks his shoes off at Van Damme and then wields a switchblade in his toes. Like, <laughs> I, I, going right. into knockoff, I, or going into knockoff, yeah, I kind of knew what to expect from him a little bit more this time around where he has Van Damme playing a dude named Marcus Ray, a sales representative for V6 Jeans uh, alongside his partner, Tommy Hendricks, played by Rob Schneider, which has to be one of the most oddball yeah. buddy pairings in action movie history. It really works, though. And 
it, really works. It, it does. They act. They have surprising amounts of like bozo, like chemistry with one another. Especially because Van Dam, like huge credit to him, because I think at this point in his career, and just looking at it, he looks a little weary and sweaty. I think he is at the point, like at the peak of his cocaine addiction. Uh, while he's absolutely, I had, I had a feeling you were working towards that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. like like he, he honestly, <laughs> there are moments in this movie where I was like, stop the cameras. He does look a little unwell. Like he looked yeah. like it, killing maximum risk up where you could argue he's maybe at the most handsome he's ever looked. And then with this and you're kind of like, there's some flop sweat going on. He's a little troubled. He's a little, not entirely all there. I gotta say the, uh, look like a jeans salesman though. He's like a, a denim, but he does. Well, that's just that's, it. It's yeah, like no movie could have used it better because he's playing. <laughs> chains like, Oh my God. I gotta yeah, wonder. Yeah, the energy yeah. is what pure the, cocaine yeah. out of his character, so it it, it does work really well if that yeah. is the case. Spot on. Yeah, the, like the like the fake tan, the slick hair, the like you know the 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 suits and like he's playing he's like this wealthy con man car. essentially. He looks really you know? spry in this. Like he's very spry. I don't know. Still, he is. Like, he's still fit. Like his face is really starting to go, but he's looking very spry and fit in this. Like when he in that one stunt where he flies through that storefront window, I'm like, I actually believed he sur- he could have survived that just how flexible and fit he looked. Oh yeah. This is some, yeah. honestly, this, this action in this movie has some of his most like fast paced movements that he's done yeah. when he starts and we'll get to it in detail, mm-hmm. but like, yeah. you know, the ending boat sequence and all of that, like he's just moving. Like I've really never seen him oh, do before. He so. is sliding around. Yeah, <laughs> sliding around. I can't wait to get that. Yeah, we'll get to that. No, he's he's having having a blast, and I will say part of the reason that I think I got a little bit more to this than Maximum Risk is because this is just as plot heavy, but the plot is nonsense, and it, oh and it is God, just yeah. like. Like they are getting so busted dumb. for selling <laughs> knockoff jeans as part of this company, and as a result, they find out that there is a uh, sort of like an American contact representative, Karen Lee, played by uh, Lila Roshan, um, who was actually also an extra with Jean Claude on the Canon Breakdown Breakdance musical Breakin, which I thought was oh, sort nice. of interesting. That is a nice um, tidbit. Yes, and. Um, <laughs> She and and I don't I don't even know how to say it other than almost there are three different oh there are CIA agent reveals yeah. Oh, yeah. and then the CIA agents are also cons- conspiring with, with other, the bad guys the bad and there's guys. reveals on top of those reveals, reveals so <laughs> and at a certain point I just lost track of what was happening yeah, I, I literally yeah. I have my notes I'm like oh is Michael Wong a bad guy wait is Paul Servino the bad guy what is going on yeah. <laughs> <sighs> It gets a, it, it yes. does get a little tiresome uh, in a sense, but it is. It, I think because everything else is so just kind of strange and and it is bombastic uh, the way that characters act. It 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 kind of feels like it works with the movie. Um, oh, it, even it, though it, you're it did for me confused. hugely. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I wasn't confused about was like the obvious uh, uh, double agent that Harry would become, which is like the leader of the CIA and all of that. I just, he just seemed like the. The yeah, Paul Sorvino point. from Goodfellas, yeah. man. He kind of he kind of gives off a little bit of bad bad vibes, even <laughs> right. as the you know the good CIA that, that agent. Yeah. Um, got, you know, he's just so sure of himself. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, this is a, this is a very so th- the main way I kind of went into this, and I had to go into this about halfway through the movie because I was watching it and I was kind of unsure what I was watching actually for about half because it's my first time watching it. <laughs> yeah, and. What the movie um, does to you. About halfway through, I feel like I kind of picked up on what was happening, which was one, you just have 
what to me is a genuinely magical collaboration between three different types of people working here. You have a once in a generation screen athlete going for broke in Jean-Claude Van Damme. You have a veteran American action screenwriter in uh, Stephen E. D'Souza, who uh, obviously wrote uh, Street Fighter. I think he might've even directed Street Fighter for Van Damme, which isn't his finest hour, (laughs) but he's more known for writing the first two Die Hard films as well as Commando and Running Man and 48 Hours. So like this guy knows his excessive 80s action film. And I think by 1998, this script almost like sudden death to me, like played as like self-conscious, I don't even want to say parody, but like it, it knows how ridiculous it is. And he is just kind of playing the generic hits of what like an American kind of conspiratorial action film would be and leaning into the ridiculous elements. Almost like a knockoff of those types of films. Oh, <laughs> one of the first of many. Yeah. I think Brandon gets it. And then, of course, you have world-class comedian Rob Schneider. Yes, how could I forget? World-class comedian, SNL alumni, Paul, yeah. or <laughs> Paul, Rob, Rob Schneider. That was the third one um, you, were, you were talking about, right? The collaboration to make this a magical thing. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention any of the Hong Kong talent involved <laughs> in the making of this film. This, like, uh, which, by the way, there are three. You have, we've already mentioned Choi Hawk, incredible, uh, you know, oddball, eccentric, um, but really impressive action stylist. But then you also have uh, Arthur Wong shooting this film who shot a few Choi Hawk films, but also shot a lot of Lau Kar Lung films, which I think actually does show a couple times in this film. He th- he shot 36 Chamber of Shaolin. Um, he shot... Um, Dude, the guy that shot Dirty Ho. 36 Chamber of Shaolin shot knockoff? Yes. That's wild. wild. Dude, what? It is insane. It is, it is legitimately insane. And then you also have Sam Hung contributing second unit... Um, uh, action yeah, choreography a lot of to the majority action, of these set pieces. Apparently a lot of Samo's actions were cut down. Because, I mean, this movie is like, is like a lean 90 minutes. And I don't know. Oh, dude, it, it hits credits at like 84 minutes or something. It's yeah. ridiculous. This was yeah. clearly like chopped to it's shit. It's a shame there <laughs> wasn't more extended action sequences. I mean, they're, they're super fun, but like I, there's just a certain magic to seeing Van Damme working with choreographers or action directors. Like, Because I mean, the guy is super talented and you only usually see his, you know, five to ten, you know, staple moves in his American films, but the Hong Kong people really push him. Like, even as early as mm-hmm. No Retreat, No Surrender, that, that fight that Corey Yoon, you know, Corey Yoon directed and choreographed that film, the, the fight between him and the guy at the end, uh, Curtis, Kurt, I can't remember his name, but it, you, you will see moves, Van Damme moves, you will see Van Damme do moves in that ring that you will never see him do again in the rest of his career, and they're mm-hmm. wild. It's always fun seeing him work with Hong Kong directors. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and, and you do get to to, to, to see that uh, in in this quite a bit, which I like because because yeah, like Samo did second unit martial arts choreography and direction uh, on the film, like he did a little bit on Double Team, and a lot of it was cut or trimmed by the studio apparently, like t- maybe as much as twenty or thirty minutes apparently. Wow. Bread and butter, but. Like, I the, the the results are in my opinion still like insane yeah. and like playfully chaotic like the yeah. cutting to me is like almost experimental the way that yeah. it like moves oh. between stuff and they do these, I, like i was blown away by the way the this zoom looks in through moves. objects like when they're releasing all those dolls in the water at the beginning and the camera just zooms into this doll eye and then all of a sudden you're like getting this like macro or micro vision of like all the circuits and stuff in there or 
Yeah, yeah. Even even a gesture like someone calling another character, the camera will go into the the parts of microscopic footage of the phone Crazy. and then tr- change locations to the phone that's being called. Yeah, it was like <laughs> Black Hat. It's kind of cool level. to see. Yes, straight up. Yeah, <laughs> a, a lot Michael of like, Mansa knockoff, baby. A lot of late nineties. That's right. Hong Kong cinema had like outrageous like this they were just trying a lot of different mm-hmm. things I feel like I don't know but, but then you know you've got the shots that are where it's like going through uh, you know a television or a computer monitor and I feel like they do like David Fincher does yeah. that kind of stuff uh, a little bit differently maybe but. oh yeah some of some of my the, the, favorite this is like Choi Hawk doing digital experimentation 100% yeah, percent, all- while also throwing in this like old fashioned Hong Kong craft and it's like you have like the action style the stunt choreography the pageantry it's all there but it's so formally unhinged and like ridiculously over the top and violent that it, it does get abstracted into like yeah. these like wacky scenarios that lend themselves both in my opinion to the two different sides of this film that you have which is one the conspiratorial mania of you know Rob Schneider and Van Damme playing these like stressed out bozo con men who find themselves in a CIA conspiracy about like their cheap overseas manufacturing of shitty jeans <laughs> basically six, turning into like a cyberpunk plot where the villains are putting na- Soviet nanobombs into the studs to send them to America to kill American children <laughs> like there's an it's like it's an insane plot on that level which the mania of the filmmaking suits but then you also as Brandon kind of put it the entire project also does feel like this like weird meta satirical like admission almost by Choi Hawk and like almost like he's doing like a poison pen experience of what it was like being a Hong Kong artist bringing his own talent and goods to the west and being like like being like you know, I, I participated in a business of cheap explosive tricks and like watered down my style into like a fireworks show of, you know, fakery and commercials essentially for Americans who just love their jeans and their toys. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> quite, which is why it has a really amazing quality to it. Van Damme opening up in a sports car, singing along and just being the most like oh, to canto pop wacky it's awesome like yeah. singing along to canto pop driving on the highway like you know the classic character like hong kong character introduction like super happy go lucky complete contrast to how he's portrayed at maximum rest like he's just super fun so easy going like he pulls up into that uh I don't know, the factory or warehouse, and mm-hmm. uh, the guy's like, hey, nice wheels, man. And he's like, hey, take it for a spin. You know, he gives him his fucking <laughs> key. He's like, wow, he's not a care in the world, you know? Just a good dude. <laughs> good dude. Good. Well, yeah, and, and yeah. I also love that, that that Rob Schneider is introduced, like, berating all of the models oh, yeah. over their underwear, and, Telling like, Van Damme goes to the shit. warehouse, and everyone at the warehouse just loves him. They're like, we love when you show up. You're the coolest guy ever. And, again, we're being introduced to more formal tricks in there where, like, again, there's parts where it's, like, going into the phone and the network when they're connecting, but there's also a part that never comes up again that blew my mind where Van Damme reaches into a box of knockoff watches in the warehouse and a screen within a screen pops up to just show the shot of his hand picking up the watch for like two seconds to show like his vision of it wide it's awesome yeah yeah there's some really crazy like dissolve slow motion like frame drops speed printing yeah Yeah, like oh yeah motion trails and man it's it's, they, they were doing some wild experimental stuff on this yeah, there's some great technique where like people will make sudden realizations in a small space and then everything just goes into slow motion for a second while they're making that realization. 
Um, there's yeah. some great moments where like during fights, uh, everything is really expressive and almost overpowered in this. So whenever some, whenever somebody gets shot, like they, they are sent flying back or if they get punched, even with a single punch, they kind of slide across the floor. Like there's a one shot that's great where someone gets uh, punched in the chest or something like that. And they cut instead of the reaction from the upper torso, they just cut to a shot of the of one of their feet sliding across the carpet as oh, if yeah. like that force slid them across the room that's a, like um, staple hong kong stud move they just tire uh, they tie a you know a wire around the actor or the stuntman and then as he hits the ground they just yank. pull <laughs> yeah yes. yeah it's so it's great it's, <laughs> it's just so, so expressive though. and over the top and i i love every minute of it and it's like the film is full of that it, it, it every single sequence has something oh yeah do you know to, you know one of my that. favorites was and i'm curious if either of you guys clocked it because it's so fast that i actually had to pause it and skip frame by frame to make sure that i saw what i saw and it's in that <laughs> opening bit with the russian scuba diving agents who are trying to like steal some sort of container filled with dolls that have explosive microchips in them. like it's it's batshit right off the opening image yeah and there's crazy CG shots that go into the doll's eyes, and yeah, the, when the, the dolls eventually explode, it's done in like green fire. Yeah, all the explosions like a, are like green. a fantasy universe. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah, like they're that. all green. I don't know. Actually, I think like every explosion in this is is like a big giant green explosion. Some weird CG green explosion. Yeah, yeah. Which ends up and, being and, like it kind of works in the style. Like it is, you are watching it, and you are like, yeah, that is you know CGI fire going over a man or something like that. But because well, the movie the is interrogating color, artificial things yeah, in the first place, right? So it being a little kind of artificial feeling is sort of interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And when he's when he's going through the uh, uh, all the bootleg stuff in that warehouse, man, and they they have those sneakers that are like Puma, like with two M's. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good yeah like like well, like the, the, the movie is very very self-aware of this idea of like knock off american products yeah. as a metaphor for making american films as a hong kong artist but the the one moment that was sort of to your point jamie where you were like just like brief momentary experimental choices that he'll do or like the way that he'll cut two shots together to create an impact that seems different than other people would mm-hmm. when when they get into that high-speed boat chase between the hong kong cops and the sort of like rush like the Soviet scuba divers who are trying to steal these dolls and there's a huge chase with like a dude whipping out a sniper and telling the boat to like hold still while he takes the shot and it's a huge wide angle lens like distorted close-up of him about to take the shot it goes to him pulling the trigger and he shoots this guy in the head and his body falls off the boat but the the headshot of the of his head exploding which it does show as like a big squib blood pack like exploding if you slow that down that is just a blood pack hanging in a white room oh really and that's it oh, really and and he 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 throws it in there so fast and so like to the point where it's almost like a like again like a weird avant-garde touch that your brain just kind of does the rest and you go yeah that guy's head exploded but it it didn't like he literally just put a shot of like a a giant blood pack hanging in a room and splattering like paint all over the wall like it's crazy oh wow that's very cool screen cap of that just to see yeah that's awesome yes 
it's 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 nuts so i'd, I'd recommend going back and like checking it out because that was the the first yeah, moment yeah, where i went okay like Choi hawk is genuinely doing something like uh experimental and, here in terms of the crazy formal tricks on top he, of the like obvious stuff like the the sudden dolly and yeah. crane movements where just like oh, it'll yeah. hone in on a face or an object or a building seemingly at random just during like a dialogue scene <laughs> yeah like there's a there's a part where they're going across a bridge to transition into another scene and they're both in the car and um uh and there's there's more detail to it which we'll get to but basically he just like kind of cranes off of the bridge and it even does like a little bit of a kind of a side tilt a little bit and the dialogue is still going but you just get this like beautiful shot of the wide bridge that they're going over and like yeah he, he has some really amazing expressive ways of using the the camera um another one and of course the the transitions too like the uh yeah. the, the brandon warned me about this one the pov shot of his foot going into the knockoff oh, puma shoes oh which Jesus. which which then dissolves into a pov shot of the dude in the room like hitting the pool cue yes so and, then, and then it even it follows the 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 uh, the ball and then goes r- swings right back into his his face i think it's eddie that's the character yeah um mm-hmm. and then he cuts away from him making eye contact with someone to jcvd so you realize that they're just kind of like making eye contact with each other and recognizing each other it's just such a great and expressive way and he just he doesn't even need to do it but it just looks amazing and he has these like innovative and creative ideas or even when um they do that really silly a uh, cart pulling race oh, and rickshaw. it starts the rickshaw race oh dude of, of uh, so van damme's shoes falling apart slowly and like, at first it almost looks like because they're There's using no these like um yeah, yeah they're using these like uh i don't know what kind of shoes there but they have those air, like hydroplane it has a hydroplane sole yeah yeah so and he does full zoom ins of them like almost engaging before the uh you before the race and then apart. they start to fall apart it's awesome yeah. yeah, like that 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 moment was like especially too because like that's a scene that everyone else would cut from the movie. Yeah, where it's just like yeah. he's literally just like it's doing so like a, a race with his buddy yeah. Rob Sh- like Rob Schneider yeah. is hanging on the back of his cart and slapping you know, he, him with like fish. Van Damme is the one. <laughs> yeah, well that's that's just it too because like he you know in or- he does this race in order to keep in good stand standing with a Hong Kong gangster named Skinny in the film who he notices is like importing the exploding dolls from the beginning which is going to come into the conspiracy and which Choi Hawk straight up turns into a legit set piece with the cameras attached, like rigged to the cart as if he was filming a car chase, diving, spinning alley shots, extreme inserts, as Jamie mentioned of like his soles ripping to pieces because his shoes are knockoffs. Um, and, and literally having the line of someone watching that happen and going, what kind of scumbag would sell that man some knockoffs? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you get tons of like cart crashes, Schneider, uh, straight up whipping Van Damme's butt cheeks with an, with an, eel, an eel, with eel, which they get from a market uh, that they ripped through at one point, <laughs> taking a shortcut. And you get a close up of Van Damme's ass just oh being whipped, whipped with an, an eel. eel. <laughs> he, Van Damme looks behind him and he's it's just a, like, hey, what are you doing? Like... Yeah, <laughs> and then he starts whipping him again, dude. It's like, why are you whipping this guy? You're in a race, man. Come on. Well, I mean, maybe he was giving him some good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you gotta want it. I think that's what he says as he's just slapping him with an eel. Yeah, but obviously this fun can't last for very long because the conspiracy has to come through and his gangster pal, uh, Eddie, pulls a body double cheat where he replaces and gets a guy taking his spot and he actually gets his body double instantly killed by Russian agents who are looking um, for, uh, you know... uh, 
you know, like they're they 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 want him to do his connection to this sort of conspiracy. And yeah. there's this insane Irish shot uh, that I think is meant to be the POV of like the gun barrel yes. of the silenced pistol yeah, that's it, about to be shot goes, and execute the body double from like the guy's eye or iris through the scope and then yes mm-hmm. does it go like back into the scope and into his eye at a certain point that's crazy it, it's, it, it, it's, it's it's insane and it leads it leads to a wild car chase shootout in a grocery store with the camera sliding down the russian guns hitting the triggers hitting his finger and flying across the room as van damme uh is kicking himself in the direction of like falling knives and like the crazy editing in the scene will basically just like briefly enter slow motion so that you can watch van damme get his like uh, cracked over the skull with like a like a can from from the grocery store or so it can uh, briefly go in the, the camera will just become a bullet and it will just go uh, through various objects being shot into people and Van Damme's just like leaping over cars. One part blew my mind where he kicks a dude off the top of the crashed van, throws him down headfirst onto the grocery store floor, snapping his neck, which we get an insert shot of the man's neck snapping. Yeah. And then he uses the dude's like lifeless corpse. He steps on his ass crack <laughs> to launch himself over the van. Wow. Uses his and just furthering that dude's neck into the ground. <laughs> wow. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that is wild stuff. This whole sequence, even in the grocery store, is crazy. Like, the, the cans being shot through as they're fighting with the knives at one point. Yes. Um, it even ends with Rob Schneider throwing full speed a can of soup at the woman's like, head and who, knocking her even, out. I love how you guys... <laughs> like, yes, the Hong Kong cop played by Carmen Lee, who's really good in Johnny Toe's firefighter melodrama Lifeline, by the way, which mm. I just watched last year. So nice. I was like, oh, shit, I, I recognize her. I that. That's awesome. I, I love... Because I don't... You don't realize she's a cop right away. I, I almost thought she worked there and she was just, like... Res- like trying to like yeah, you know, defend her store and she's like wow this shopkeeper is like really bringing it right now and then you find out of course she's <laughs> yeah. a cop yeah why does the shopkeeper like ready to take on like KGB agents with like, rap yeah, gun just goes <laughs> action. I'm like damn okay she's really trying to protect her like small business well that's one of the best things about this is Troy Hawk throws you into every one of these set pieces yeah. intending you to be like this is incredibly confusing and yeah. almost slapstick in terms of how much shit is happening um, and then they kind Kind of loosely figure it out after the scenes where they go yeah. like, oh, yeah, we've identified the guys who were attacking you were KGB Russian intelligence. And you get like Rob Schneider doing a little bit of his shtick where he's just like, well, maybe he wasn't so intelligent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's so bad. A lot of scenes. He's a, he, he's both bad, but also I think perfectly cast. Just in the sense that like he's he's given the thankless role of like shitty American sidekick partner that yeah. the action star has to get, and they did so much in the '90s. But at the same time, like the jokes feel doing really his SNL bozo shtick. Yeah, in and, and being revealed to, as we find out, be a CIA agent being manipulated internally by like multiple other surprise CIA agents. Like it's such a bumbling depiction of American espionage tradecraft that it kind of works for me. Yeah, I can. I, I do like that. It's like like an idiot like Rob Schneider portray portraying that is is really smart and funny. Um, yeah, he's he's an idiot just, American as yeah. far as the Hong Kong characters are all concerned. I just did find his. Um, like his moments to mostly be very kind of just 
I mean, they're obviously eye rolly, but I found them also to be a little bit annoying. For some reason, it didn't quite work for me as much. I still really like mm. this movie, by the way, but just Rob Schneider. Uh, it, it didn't quite work for me as much as like something like um, uh, Joe Piscopelli in Dead Heat. If that's, I think it's Dead Heat. Oh, Piscopelli. Piscopo. Speaking of another SNL you know, uh, alumni making his way into an action film yeah, that he maybe and, shouldn't and have been for, in. <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, I don't know why that film worked within that kind of comedy style works for me a little more um in that context than this i really don't mm. know what it is because they're pretty much doing the like same kind of shtick um but uh well but, yeah. and, 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 and see that's what's funny is i think they're using it to the same ends where they're both kind of sure. creating a parody of like the buddy america or like the the the, the funny guy that the he kind of has yeah. to hang out with yeah. a little bit and i i do find it you know again I, I won't argue that schneider's like the best or anything you know it's just <laughs> i did find him suitably cast for the purpose of being a bumbling idiot american yeah. I mean, essentially right it doesn't help that his character is kind of designed to be completely unlikable and annoying so it, oh he's right. so annoying like the, like even just like the tacky floral shirts and you know how just <laughs> like annoying and abusive he is generally those yeah style of floral like his opening shirts are scene. so popular right now those types of flowery shirts a lot of those now um Oh what yeah, the Hawaiian. Oh yeah, dude, it's coming what back. Of, like the first jokes he makes uh, to like those dancers uh, earlier on is like, "I've always been against underwear." My record proves that. It's just one of those random things he says in passing, and I'm just like, "Yeah." <laughs> I, wonder, <laughs> yeah. I, I think he, he also tells them to be uh, skinny. He just is like, oh. and look skinny, like something Jesus. like that. So yeah. he, he comes out, and that is, you know, like I said, it is on purpose. He's definitely they, yeah. they don't come out the gate with that character just to be like, he's a likable guy. That's obvious. Um, I just find, I don't know. I guess I just find Rob Schneider to be very just annoying. So it, it did hit me a little bit throughout the film. Like anytime he popped up and they did one of their, Oh, you, buddy, do, you buddy don't jokes. appreciate him, uh, bringing some of that, uh, deuce bigelow male <laughs> gigolo energy, yeah, that hot chick energy, Hong baby. Kong action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I like watching Van Damme go off of him because when Van Damme starts yeah. to do wacky comedy, I, I find him endearing and I, yeah. and I enjoy it. Um, so Van Damme is legitimately, he moves between being like intense and a physical specimen yeah. and being legitimately hilarious in this movie. Yeah. It's crazy yeah. what he's doing in this. It is some of his most like, um, energetic action sequences that he's done. And he is, like we said before, he's doing things that he hasn't really done before. Or at least we haven't seen him do, but then he's also completely in the wackiest character mode that I've ever seen him in too. Oh Very dude, wacky. all the, all the like slapstick mugging that he does, like when the, um, when the V6 jeans woman, Karen Lee shows up played by Lilo Russian, she, she both comes to them and basically it's like, we've been doing tests on the jeans that you've been sending to us. And like, look, here's our jeans. They, he's like, pull on it. And they, they, they pull, it doesn't rip. And they're like, here's your jeans. And they pull it in and it rips in like two seconds. And right. then Schneider's like, well, you know, he's been working out and just the, uh, just, Van Damme just being like you know just falling over holding the jeans and being made to kind of like look like an idiot mm -hmm. in that kind of way like yeah. he's he's doing like physical gags and trying to lower himself into being like doing comedy gags that like a character like Rob Schneider would do for example yeah, and, and just even the 
the comedy is being heightened by the style too, because you get like Rob Schneider, you know, being like, what you're, are you telling me that there's knockoff artists in Hong Kong? Yeah. <laughs> like that's insane. And you, and you just get like this insane high angle shot of her oh, yeah. looking down on Big both of them in like down. a wide angle, seeing the entire room. Like it turns oh, their, their tacky office into like a claustrophobic sweaty space. It's great. And I love that, that detail too, that w- even with the camera rising up, they don't, their eye level goes up with it too. So yeah, it, yeah. it's almost, as if she is physically yeah. like seven inches taller than yeah. them, at least in the context yes. of the film. So yeah, it's, kind of I really did like that style stuff. I, I also love during this scene too, is like they're all in this meeting. You know, they're both getting reamed out, but Jean-Claude is just casually sipping champagne for some reason during this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah, because he's just playing like a uh, sleazy character. Yeah. You know, he's just like, a, he's just, uh, but also really nice. Like he's the nice guy of everyone. He's the, as they yeah. say, I, I, I wrote this one. down. Yeah. He's the king of knockoffs. King of knockoffs. You're, you yourself, you're the king. Everyone loves you. You're the king of it. And I do love his genuinely, like when we do eventually get to that scene, which I think is a, a, a really good scene actually, where he does, uh, uh, he he goes out to a restaurant with uh, okay. Schneider and he uh, Schneider leaves briefly to say that he's like going to the bathroom or whatever and he goes up top and he finds out that his dorky friend who he's a partner with is actually a CIA agent slash analyst and he's gone up to the top of the building that they were on and the way that Choi Hawk shoots that is like Van Damme climbing a giant Coca-Cola ad building yeah. that's like threateningly looking over the city. Like, like the, the American consumerism is, is on its way uh, as part of this. I don't know. Th- th- they are relating it a little bit to like the, the handover to China and everything as well. in in the sort of history of it. Mm-hmm. And there's this interesting element there in the way that it's shot and how imposing that Coke ad is. Um, which also is funny because it reminds me of the tacky product placement in uh, Double Team, oh, yeah. where they survived the explosion because of the Coke machine. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so, so they just you know, putting American product placement in this movie makes a lot more sense due to the subject matter of its like manufacturing yeah. and everything, and the tacky product stuff that it's kind of handling. But th- the part where um, Van Dam in pain. In legitimate pain, he looks at Rob Schneider, who has betrayed him, because he's just like, look, dude, I'm the only guy who would work with you in Hong Kong. Like, everyone knows that you're a knockoff artist, that you sell shit. I was willing to work with you. And he was like, I was the king of knockoffs, but you're still a fake. Oh, yeah. That, that <laughs> line hurt. Like, that was like, ouch. Oh, he's man. in pain. He's like, dude, I don't, he's like, I don't care. So Selling knockoff products is the name of the game. That's fine. That's not a betrayal. What's a betrayal is being a fake friend. Yeah, that's right. Being a knockoff, knockoff friend. <laughs> so knock it off. Not- oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're getting, it. We're getting wow. into it, boys. That just happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, one thing we glossed over uh, earlier, and I know we just jumped back and forth sometimes, is, when, yeah. okay, when they're, I don't know if you noticed, but when Van Damme first pulls up to, like, that uh, warehouse with all the knockoff products, one of the guys uh, yes. that greets him and starts selling him shit, that is straight up uh, the guy that taught him uh, Muay Thai in Kickboxer. Oh, oh I didn't notice that. That's, that's cool. I, I just yeah, like, I, I, I don't know the name of the guy, but I'm like, man, I, I love how a lot of these like JCVD alumni will just like kind of pop up in these like later roles, whether it's like the late nineties or later on. But like, I, I, I totally forgot that he was in this. So that, that was kind of cool to see him. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. It's also the same scene. I think where Harry is introduced, I believe. 
Well, yeah, yeah because because yeah. It, it, it's 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 Van Dam going up to the top, realizing that you know yeah. his buddy is actually a CIA agent, and then immediately grabbing a steel rod and threatening to hurl oh, him man. over the Both edge of, of the giant Both coke ad. Like on either <laughs> end of that rod, man. Just tell me the truth. You lied yeah, it's to got, me. Yes. You lied to me. <laughs> it's got this wild like bird's eye view angle at one point too, where you can literally see yes. Rob like holding onto the bar and you can see the street yeah. and the edge of uh, the building. Yeah. And then he does this insanely cool thing that I don't know if I've seen really before where he zooms completely out from the, oh. the scene. Yeah, it's a huge it's snap zoom really where he's filming on like a telephoto lens from like 300 feet away. I, yeah. yeah. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's crazy. Between, like, and you can just see their figures there. fighting on the rooftop a little bit, uh, just in the, in the background. It's, it's so cool. Two actors are just talking on a rooftop. Like, Troy Hawk is just going full Sam Raimi with these crazy like zoom, zoom ins and zoom outs and different like lens perspective. It's wild, man. Yeah, and yeah, even it the is. fights and, and, when and they, you also get the. Oh, go ahead. I was uh, just real briefly. Even the fight, like when he gets out initially, when we were talking about where it's you know revealed the the Coca Cola advertisement and all of that. He's not just fighting the people on the. Um, on the uh, the platform, but the camera goes like below the platform, so you see their feet as they're moving, and it's like through the grate. It's just it, it, he he comes up with amazing shots time after time, and every sequence is just so good. I wonder if he's just trying to. Show yeah, and, and I I do love that they they do like genuinely elevate some of the because like again it, it's really convoluted and the drama is incredibly silly. You kind of yeah. have to take the entire thing as like a like a you know cartoon dealing in archetypes and dealing in sort of like familiar tropes of the American action film, but doing it in a really silly way. But then you'll just get something genuinely breathtaking, like Van Damme watching those planes take off from Hong Kong in the sunsets while that? he mourns this like fake friendship and partnership that he just had dark Mm. silhouette you know just to anytime you see van damme like perched on top of a building you know kong skyline like that is just that's cinema that's an iconic image blood sport man when he's doing splits over top of hong kong and harken back to that a little bit oh my god what a absolutely so good uh, but just like Maximum Risk, this thing moves like crazy once the actual set pieces come underway because they find out that, you know, now he's kind of working with the CIA. He's kind of working with the V6 Jeans um, representative who has shown up and they're going to find out what the fuck is going on. Like, how did they sell five million dollars? of shitty jeans to this company without them even knowing because they're like look we sell shitty products we shell we sell pumas we sell <laughs> knockoff rolexes but like as far as we know we were not selling shitty jeans so they go to the warehouse to try and figure out where the fuck this manifest is where the fuck this these jeans came from who Who's did this these jeans with this eight ounce denim as opposed to the 14 ounce denim that v6 are made with authentically you know that's right. And who's also putting Soviet nanobombs into various parts of the yeah. genes, into the studs. And so they're, they're going to find this out. But before, like, bef- once again, before they even get there, a truck bursts out of the warehouse <laughs> and explodes. And it's like this crazy Seemingly chase and shootout ensues. Yeah, literally, like, they're just going there. You're think- you literally think you're about to go see a scene where a bunch of characters go drop some exposition in a warehouse. And instead, a truck literally breaks through <laughs> the frame. And it, it starts an entire set piece where Van Damme is on top of the truck while uh, inside the sort of like cargo part of the truck, a sniper is picking off various Hong Kong cops and doing so 
with real precision and at a certain point even shoots through the roof of the truck at Van Damme in an insane POV shot of the truck the top of the truck exploding in the face of the lens and revealing the hole, in which case the camera looks through the hole and sees the henchman pointing the gun through it. I was like, what the hell, dude? (laughs) How do you even do that? Oh, my God. It's crazy. And a crazy martial arts fight on top of it. I, did you get, what, what was that huge decoration that was on top of the truck? I didn't yeah, it I was like, figure out, was, was that like, like, like one of the banners like or bamboo, something? It looked like the kind of stuff you would have like bamboo scaffolding on the side of a building, but with like just some kind of red, mm. I don't even know where that came from. Yeah, it's cool. They implement yeah. it well too, though, which is cool when he starts to like hide uh, on the other side of it as he's climbing it. And then the, the sniper or the gunman has to decide like which shadow is his kind of thing so there's like some suspense built into it a little bit um oh of course and they they even use the uh, little piece of uh wood pole as well because oh, when yeah. van damme kicks the sniper Ooh. off of the truck it's a huge yeah. kick that Big results kick. in the dude getting full wire pulled and like cannibal holocausted onto the side <laughs> of a skyscraper Why, on yeah, the little wooden it it's a, ridiculous it paled, like with and you see all of There's even too. like an insert shot of the bloody pole. Oh, yeah. You see it? It's like dripping blood. Oh, it's gruesome. There's like a... Yeah, and, and, and like this action, and this all happens in like two minutes. Like the action is so fast and so unhinged, I actually couldn't like take notes fast enough. I had to like yeah. rewatch set pieces because I, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Have they, yeah. they, they've left the tea house at this point, right? With that restaurant they were at? Or, yeah. Yes. It, yeah. What, I, I swear to God, I'm, I'm like... 75% sure that Tea House is the same Tea House from that opening uh, scene in Hard Boiled. It looks, oh, that'd be sweet. And honestly, oh, I, and that'd be I cool thought too. that before they, when they were just doing the establishing shot outside where they're coming up the stairs, it looked like the same banner that like Chanyeon Fat like slides down with the double guns, of course, and then as soon as they got in there and you start seeing the birds in the, in the bird cages, I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is the same. Uh, tea house. I'm gonna have to look it up after, but uh. that'd be sweet. If yeah, it no, was. like, le- but like the location work in general and like the production design is like really amazing uh, in this film. Like, like mm-hmm. that location looks awesome. Like I mentioned, the giant coke ad thing, like on top of yeah. the tea house and how they use that and shoot it just yeah. as imposing and insane as as they could. But one of the other parts too is uh, when they find those little miniature bombs that look like watch batteries are inside the truck and inside the jeans, in which they find out there's a conspiracy to basically put them inside of radios, stereos, children, toys. Like, someone is trying to basically pull, essentially, like a Halloween 3 situation, where they're trying to kill all of the various consumers and children of America by just having remote control devices or bombs the size of watch batteries. But they find all that detail out by going to Schneider's espionage base, the CIA base, <laughs> which speaking of incredible location work yeah. or production design, I don't know, is inside a giant Buddha statue. Yeah, that- <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> CIA can do whatever they want. <laughs> I didn't even plain sight, you know. <laughs> Like, like that, that's another it's, cartoon element where like, like in double team where just like ver- for a brief time, uh, Van Damme is just doing like uh, training montages on like an Island for James Bonds, you know, like it's just, it's one of those things that like yeah, Trey Hawks doesn't like, like the, he, he feels overdosed on like a cheap American culture and production and entertainment. And it feels like he's kind of throwing it back in their face as like comedy. It's really interesting. Yeah. Bo- like a giant Buddha, uh, 
super lair seems like it would either <laughs> belong to a superhero or a supervillain. And it's just like they walk in and discuss things with the CIA in there. And then they even well, cause the whole thing to explode, which is just with more wild. Uh, green CGI flame. Again, yes, yes. And civilians are just taken yeah. out into flames. Like it, it's a pretty yeah. wild scene, actually. Yeah, well, and I was thinking too, not only does it happen in the location work and some of the production design, like that sort of level of, you know, uh, silliness, uh, mm-hmm. there is like that, like the next scene after is uh, when Van Damme has to go back to his partner, Eddie, who he finds out is somehow involved well, in this he gets conspiracy. This, uh, his he buddy. gets a message from Eddie and it's literally just a durian. <laughs> He's just like, yes. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, you know, those things come into play later on again. Yes, of course. And you get uh, when Van Damme goes to confront him, you get like this great shot of him like reflected in the record where he's go like my mama loved that song or something like that. And you you just get Eddie, who is like someone again, who's just indulging in the he's just like ripping his arcade games while he's in there while he's interrogating him. And you do get like. You know, the I, I do like the the close up on Van Damme's like weary eyes, like drenched in the angry neon. As again, he's dealing with another friendship betrayal yep. where someone else right. is being fake to him, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And the guy goes, "Look, fine, I'll I'll get you all the evidence. Yeah. You know, I can show you. You know, all of these different groups are colluding with one another, and they're you know they're fucking with your genes and your <laughs> warehouse." And he goes to get that evidence from a safe which has a rocket in it (laughs) and which sends Eddie flying through his own wall into the air, exploding into chunks. My jaw dropped during that scene. I'm just like, wait, what? He was just about to like open this thing. And then now he's just being shot through the window with the rocket into a wall and then explodes. I'm like, Eddie. Yeah. (laughs) And it's so, it's so crazy because all they had to really do was just like, he opens it up. It's a booby trap. There's like a a little grenade explosion or something. And he flies into the wall and then they have like a morning scene or something like that. But no, they rocket launcher him through a wall and explode his entire being. It's just like, he literally got death wish three, which is how I'm convinced that this is knowingly like satire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just has to be after certain points. It's so silly. Of course, all of a sudden, a mob of shirtless, sweaty dudes with machetes just show up out of fucking nowhere. Because there's always just like <laughs> yes. a mob of shirtless dudes with machetes just waiting around the corner, ready to just fuck shit up in Kowloon. Yes. Yes, this scene is the one that Eddie most reminded me killed. of uh, Lao Kar Lung, because oh, yeah. like that kind of set piece is straight from Drunken Master 2. Uh, where Jackie has to fight like what, like 50 dudes in like a multi-level room in that film. And it was one of the fights Jackie didn't love doing because it involved wire work. And I don't know why you hire Lau Kar Lung if you didn't want wire work. Sorry, Jackie. But (laughs) um, it's an, it's an amazing scene and Lau Kar Lung loves filming, you know, that many people. And like that moment where like Rob Schneider, like um, I think Van Damme at one point, like throws Schneider into a roll. And while he's rolling, just as he gets out of the place where his body just was, you get like 10 machetes hitting the ground just where his, you know, they were about to slice him up. Like little moments like that is like, like classic, like we're talking like seventies and eighties Hong Kong stuff, you know, before heroic bloodshed, like we're talking just classic Kung Fu cinema stuff. It's awesome. He wraps a chain around his arm too. He starts using that to like, so sick. He even gets like the hero shot while he's doing it. And the camera's pushing in on him, wrapping it around his wrist. It's awesome. He just like drop kicks this one guy and he does, that like sort of like double like kick where you know you're sort of like uh just pushing out with like both of your kicks uh, both of your feet in midair like it, it just looks so good they also yeah I, yeah go ahead 
Oh, sorry. I was I was gonna say uh, I also love like when it starts to get frantic, like when he's starting to um, when they ha- he has thirty people on him and he's like diving under the table to separate himself from them and then breaks it open so that he can kind of like disperse the group a little bit, but then pushes the rest of the table at them so he has some room to run away and get some more space from them. Like it's really intelligently choreographed as well, and I I just love when it gets frantic like that and he's kind of uh, dodging on the ground because it is a little bit of a a predecessor for um, what we're going to see when he gets to the ship and starts sliding around the the crates and all of that. So it's um, yeah, it's it's great. It's a great sequence. Yeah, this this set piece is one of my favorites in in the movie just because of how how much punching and rolling and sliding and like part like the when when Van Damme is parkouring into the rafters and the camera is like floating and changing elevations with him and he's also like still drop kicking people while he's changing which part of the building that he's in and there's also a part where at one point it gets incredibly meta where there's a dolly shot of him picking up a dolly and, and that has a camera rig attached to it. And you get the POV shot of him swinging it into like 10 guys faces. And we just (laughs) get the shot from the dolly's perspective, hitting people in the face. (laughs) So good. They also do such a good job of hiding the fact that it's a stuntman man. Damn. Like, I don't know, like, yes. obviously they're, you know, just better at doing that in Hong Kong than they are. Like, when you see Van Damme's stunt double in an American Van Damme film, like, it's it's so obvious it's him. Uh, in these, it's so seamless. Yeah. Like, and I, I wonder yeah. if that's why they dyed his hair so dark in this. Um, I mean, I, I know he, he just, he obviously just, you know, I feel like it was part of the character, but dyeing his hair that dark, I think, just made it, not having to put, like, you know, a Chinese stuntman in, like, a Van Damme wig, I think... Mm-hmm. It made a little, little look a little bit more seamless. It was pretty. Yeah, because in in this it, it it really does look great. Um, yeah, it like looks all awesome. of all of the connective uh, tissue of it. And honestly, I will say, I mean, they must have got a pretty good stunt double for Schneider as well, because honestly, Schneider is not too physically terrible in this scene. When you get like True. that that um, that amazing uh, close up of Van Damme. Uh, stepping on the orange as he lifts his way over the dolly, he kicks Schneider onto the dolly and then kicks like almost like drop kicks the dolly down a oh, uh, like a, a path that leads all the way down to the security room. And like that's almost like a classic like Jackie use of your environment oh, where he's so you know like he's stuff. It's very like yeah, the book of Jackie Chan. Yeah, this, this well, and just having Schneider fly into the security room, and as he flies headfirst into it, like fly into like a diving knee that he does on the guy who's like operating the surveillance cameras and stuff like that. Like it's yeah. insane. Have you guys seen a? I think I th- I'm pretty sure it's this film, Rumble in the Bronx with oh, Jackie yeah, Chan. Definitely, yeah. And it, it, I, there's this. There is a group. It's it. It kind of reminds me of this because they're just in a similar looking location with like a bunch of. Uh, d- different things that they can throw at each other, shelves and, and whatever else. But it's the same similar situation where Jackie Chan is kind of going up against like 30 different dudes in this kind of enclosed space. And it, it just reminds me very much of this fight. So that's another one I'd recommend too if no one's seen it. Rumble in the Bronx, really good. I definitely want to screen that at review sometime. I still haven't shown any Jackie Chan films yet. I, I know I'm going to show one at some point. Oh. Rumble in the Bronx would be very... I mean, that was also... It's a good one. I like it. I think that was like his first film movies he's done in Hong Kong that was like re-released theatrically in North America Uh, it was a huge hit I guess uh, this was I think they might have released it it was either just before Rush Hour or just after Rush Hour they were like oh people people like Jackie Chan and then boom they put out Rumble in the Bronx like in theater and it was like a huge hit on home video 
Yeah, that's okay. That's yeah, movie. and I think we've got in that movie it's Vancouver standing in for New York. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Pretty sure it's Sean in Vancouver. They love doing oh, yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> they love doing it. A lot closer to Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 this I, this set piece I believe ends with it's it's the part where Van Damme uh, jumps on the moped and sends the crates of fruit f- launching into or the camera brilliant. lens as they eventually is. Yeah. As they eventually uh, as manage their way out. Oh, and I forgot briefly in that scene too. There's there's so many notes on these action scenes that I couldn't even yeah, keep they, like, track of individual shots. Jump through two roofs or something like that, like two metal sheet metal roofs. Or well, because that's what's so funny. Like even as they escape with the VCR footage, that's going to give them proof that you know the V6 representative is actually also an agent and kind of in on all this warehouse shit that's going that's on. Um, he can't help but do like insane fluid shit like that one crane from one level to the next one as they go up a level and then give them another stunt where they like leap two stories down and like break the vcr on their way out (laughs) um and it also and and it leads to van so uh van damme uh goes to meet skinny to be like you know the 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 uh, hong kong gangster from the beginning to be like look some the russians they've they've killed eddie there's this crazy conspiracy something something's going on but skinny uses this word uh they executed yeah. eddie and that you just get these revealed. intense like and damn is just like yeah Why did you use that word oh mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and and this scene is one of the most insanely shot things i've ever seen because yeah. it turns into it's it's half like spaghetti Western close-ups of their intense eyes as they start to realize that, you know, maybe Skinny is the one who who killed Eddie and he's in on it and they're about to have a fight. And then it starts with these long shots entirely shown in like reflections of water on the parking garage. And then oh, it's wild. Dutch angles of walking and tracking as they have their conversation. And then it's like these bizarre, like bleeding crossfades of like the henchmen starting to run after him and Van Damme. Like, turning into like he, he becomes like a supernatural monster yeah. who's like climbing pillars yeah yeah <laughs> he climbs up that one pillar like this yeah is he able to do that like <laughs> <laughs> they've never previously established anything about him being able to do that. And it even it has a high angle POV shots of him up there spinning around the pillar, looking down at all of the guys. And I'm like, guys, where do you think that he went? Like yeah. he, he's right above you. And, and then slow-mo shots as he jumps his way down and the camera is spinning and focus shifting while he's kicking the shit out of them. And he kidnaps skinny by locking him in the backseat of the car and getting into <laughs> the passenger a, seat, which is a very funny detail of how which he is does funny. it yeah yeah and then he has another 30 men pursuing him and instead of getting into another martial arts fight with 30 guys he decides decides to run them over with the car and send the car crashing through a window flipping down an entire oh. story and hitting the back of a truck and continuing the flip and, and, and driving away safely <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Guys, foolproof. Like, some of the workers in that scene like were pretty close to that car when it was it's an insanely dangerous looking stunt. Yeah, it's crazy. Also, just the um, the transition from what we were just talking about to this parking lot scene is insane. Like it just goes from that kind of escape uh, of of everyone that was in Eddie's group, like after them, to this scene, basically moment after moment. Like it, it doesn't uh, it it doesn't uh, have much time in between or or any time at all. If I'm not mistaken, no. So you're just going and, and, from like and, and, one and, and, crazy sequence to the other at this point. No, and what's so crazy is when you think about it is again how generically written this scene 
like Shit. technically yeah. is. Yeah. Like it's like Van Damme goes to meet the Hong Kong gangster thinking he, he's looking for help. And then he's like, oh shit, you're actually in on it. And I'm going to beat up your men and kidnap you. And now you're, I'm going to take you to the CIA and we're going to get to the bottom of this. And like, that's a scene that another director would be like, you know, have the wide eyed plot realization and the good guy like shoots his henchmen and then beats him up and puts him in a car. And it's like, no, with the, for, for Troy Hawk, this is like, you know, Van Damme is climbing pillars and you can't, and the henchmen are moving so fast. It's almost like, they're, you know, They're moving blurry. at hyperspeed and, you know, and he's doing crazy slow-mo car stunts off multiple stories. Yeah. And like, there's just, there's no reason to have as much effort as being put into the action for Troy that Hawk, specific like, scene. Yeah, Troy Hawk's like the physics in Troy Hawk movies are just constantly evolving to this. Like you're, you're just, you're, yeah, you, you just you're have just, to go you're with forced it. To just <laughs> keep up with the movie. Like you have to keep up with it. It's moving at such a crazy breakneck speed you know even like you know the characters on screen they're they can't be contained in just one shot you've got all these crazy cross dissolves and, and trails and it's like almost psychedelic like the way this action yes straight up like you feel like you're watching like an experimental thing happen on another planet for like a few seconds yeah. and yeah. then it's like yeah he takes him to the giant cia buddha where on the tape it's revealed that the v6 james lady is the real culprit and kind of in on it and van damme is kind of like torturing the hong kong gangster and you know yelling at him He's and so protective <laughs> of eddie like he just anytime anyone fucks with eddie in this movie van damme just freaks the fuck out like not so much with rob schneider's character but no, him and Eddie must have been really tight. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they, they did uh, rickshaw I mean, races that together. Thing, right? you know? That bonds you for life. You're whipping each other in the ass <laughs> with, with eels, a heel. Yeah. You, know? That's, okay. yeah. So you get tight. There's a scene with Rob. It's pretty intimate. There's a funny <laughs> scene where, where Rob Schneider's sort of licking his wounds and, and, and Karen Lee uh, sort of confronts him about what, what the hell's going on. And it's kind of like this, like sexually charged, like first aid scene where Karen, is, like, okay, Rob <laughs> Schneider is trying to like, she's just rubbing her yeah, breasts oh on his God. blood. Well, <laughs> Rob Schneider is literally, he's got like four flashes or scratches on his back, and so he's decided that he's gonna to patch them up. He's got like four like strips of like gauze or something like that on the inside of his blazer, and because he can't put them on all himself, presumably. He's trying to like back into this blazer that has these like strips of gauze on it to try to patch himself out. And then currently walks in the room and just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Offers to like put them on for him. But the way that happens, like he's st- the first time she tries to help him, uh, he starts bleeding on her, her breasts basically. And then she's trying to get them on and her blazer's coming off. And it's just like, what is happening here? It's yeah. Yeah, and, and and we we realize through the information that she's sort of in on it that she is trying to disarm yeah. him or seduce yeah. him, and she does eventually kind of like handcuff him and be like, "I'm also." But it turns out she's not in on the conspiracy. She's also a CIA yeah, agent another... who was watching him because there's a mole in his department. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. They reveal. No, it's no, it's literally, literally not, not the last, last one, one because yeah, it's because the second last yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because because the Russians, I think, kidnapped Tommy and Karen while because they eventually because I think it's Van Damme and Schneider and the V6 jeans lady Karen. They all decide that they are going to, you know, start working together to find out what's happening here. But before they can do that, the Russians kidnap Tommy and Karen and put them on a cargo ship with the knockoff jeans, the knockoff jeans filled with explosives, uh, which is <laughs> insane. Again, that the this entire plot hinges on exploding jeans. I just wanted. to 
clarify that. Um, which is the movie just, it knows how ridiculous this is. Um, and which again, we also find out are Russian, that they are Soviet nano bombs. Russian, uh, conspiracy, you know, uh, just like maximum risk. Yeah. This was just a big thing. And then it was making a big revival, I think in the nineties. I mean, everyone was doing parodies of eighties action where those guys were the baddies as well. So it's just kind of like, I feel like, you know, everyone's kind of doing the, they're just, it's uh, a game of broken telephone is taking place where the Russians are just getting more and more cartoonish. (laughs) Goes up in the scene too. And he tells Rob Schneider, Hey, you know, she's, she's in on it too, or she's an agent or something like that. And Rob immediately just springs into action and like kicks the gun out of her hand. And like, John Claude like grabs it and like he's always just like assisting him in this assisting him in these really amazing ways. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, during that yeah, fight too, um, like Karen like rips open John Claude Van Damme's shirt for some reason, like just totally rips it in half, just like the, like <laughs> yeah. the jeans yes. earlier on. They want to add to the sexual yeah, charge. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, that reminded me too. Yeah. We forgot to mention just the the real brief comedic joke when they're in the restaurant earlier with Rob, where. Van Damme is just sitting down and his shirt starts to rip because it's Schneider's shirt and oh he's just God. so muscular. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Anyway. <laughs> that was a very nice touch. And they were like, hey, that's a really expensive shirt. And he's like, oh, oops. oops. Yeah. And he's just flexing more. <laughs> <laughs> rips it again. And it's funny too when they're, they're trying um, to check. But, but Van Damme uh, is, you know, he's infiltrating now this like Russian conspiracy yeah. to send explosive genes yeah. to America. And it's taking place on this, on this cargo ship and where the Russian henchman gets one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in a, a movie like this, which is the best part about microchips is you get mega bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, I see what you, they're little chips, but big dollars. Okay, I understand. And you also get uh, Tommy's boss, Harry, shows up to save them from the Russians. And the Russians, again, are insanely evil. They have uh, like a vial of acid that they're threatening to pour down Karen's throat. Yeah, Um, yeah. And, and and when Harry shows up, uh, Paul Sorvino from Goodfellas, once again, as the CIA sort of like head of uh, uh, Rob Schneider's uh, you know, sort of mission that he's doing, it's, it's a double twist because one of the twists is that he's revealing he didn't die in the giant Buddha explosion uh, that uh, almost killed Van Damme, which, by the way, I actually I did briefly forget to mention the part where it uh, the, the explosion, the green explosion that blows up the Buddha, it shreds Van Damme's pants. And there's actually a part where he sits in a car and he's literally steaming. His clothes are still steaming from the explosion. And you watch him put on the knockoff pants. He's just like, well, I guess I got to put on the shitty pants because my you know, my pants exploded. Um, oh, and that leads, I forgot too, that that eventually leads to him having that little freak out moment with the pants where he's like, Oh, these could explode at any moment and then changes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he has to take them off. He's in his underwear for a little yeah, while. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of played comedically a little bit too. Yeah. So, so, but, but the double twist is that Harry isn't dead, but then Harry is also is the mole for the rush. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Did not see that. <laughs> And, and and he's like, once we're going to get our baby bombs all over the U.S. and there's going to be a satellite bill that would make HBO green with envy. And then his, his plan is to like individually uh, basically like black or not blackmail, I guess. What would be the word? Um, 
I guess threat- I think blackmail's right, oh, okay, sort well, of. But, but threat- blackmail on a pretty extreme scale, <laughs> yeah. not just like on a personal scale. Yeah, Basically, he's going like, to blackmail North America. <laughs> or I'm going to explode every single pair of these jeans and products that we put it in. That's essentially his big evil plan. Yeah, even though, as we've understood, no one would wear these jeans for more than a day because they would rip. So it's not like <laughs> that foolproof of a plan. Yeah, yeah. if you just like... Shiny like, quality. You know, even just taking one step on them, they would rip. Like, There's no... Yes. So his idea of getting like every person in America wearing these pants and then threatening the president to blow up the pants of every <laughs> man, woman, and child in America. <laughs> it's a ridiculous plan on its God, face, love, but like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm nitpicky. And when, when he was saying it, I was just kind of like, yeah, go through it, whatever. But now that we're reiterating it, it's so funny. It's just unbelievably <laughs> hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> That's a Dr. Evil plan, you know? It is. It's so ridiculous. But Van Damme (laughs) finally does at a certain point. He does get to the ship, resulting in one last insane set piece that they have for you, where they take Hong Kong action filmmaking into the physical setting of manufactured goods smuggling um, of these, you know, which again is serving as this, you know, Hong Kong and America relationship. And you just, you can't get a better visual metaphor for what Choi Hark himself is doing, but also just the visuals itself of like the metal cargo containers almost squishing people the henchman who's trying to like kill him with his broken glass from his glasses lens yeah and just the grimy wet surfaces era the sliding van damme like the whole van damme literally using this set as a slip and slide it's amazing it's the whole it's almost all of the choreography which i found amazing too is like there's you know there's moments where he gets up and he starts kicking people and maybe gets up and spins around and shoots but a lot of it like I would say at least half of it, probably more, is watching Van Damme slide around on his back or stomach and doing little flips on the ground and going down a different shooting people oh, while he's yeah, sliding a different and rolling. aisle of the containers and shooting another guy that pops up. Like in it's Hong just Kong, absolutely insane. In Hong Kong action films, like heroic bloodshed films, uh, Hong Kong action films, I just flubbed there. If you're sliding <laughs> or somersaulting or jumping through the air, you like you can't get shot. Right. Yes. So that, that is, is the, rule. the rule. Right. So if you're sliding and you're on your knees, you know you're good, man. So that's why he's always sliding around. You can't get. You're just all like conventional weapons when you're in that state of like sliding across surfaces. And Van Damme is like so <laughs> greased up, like that's just like. He, oh yeah. He's ready. To, I, I don't even know if there was any <clears throat> oil or or grease on this ship. He's just naturally like so wet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think at one point it's like the... That's that cocaine, brother. (laughs) Yeah, that that will do it. (laughs) That one shot where it's the the one where the two containers are about to close in on him and he goes back and forth using his right leg and... uh, Or his right side and left side to climb up. But while he's still laying down and um, uh, out of the container space is just absolutely insane. Like it's one of the coolest stunts I've ever seen... uh, in, in an action film, honestly, it's just, it looks incredibly dangerous. I don't know. I'm assuming maybe the containers were like just, you know, fake containers in that sequence, because if that stuntman fucked that up, it looked, <laughs> it did look devastating. Yeah. There, there's this one. Yeah. No, like so, some of the stunt work that's happening in here too, which is, Again, it's where Ringo Lamb focuses more on, you know, sort of like gruesome intensity. This is just like, like it is almost nonsense at a certain point. Like when Van Damme shoots a guy, 
with, with just his handgun, they will fly through the air like they were just shot by like a 50 cal sniper. And he will like run wall jump kick simultaneously. And like, again, throats are being cut with like glasses lenses and, you know, bodies are being shredded by the CIA agent Karen, who's just like AKing dudes out of dock towers. And every person <laughs> dies with like 10 different squibs I going off. Much, and it's, it's it, I insane. I how much Karen Lee gets in on the action in this final fucking you know because she is just like getting in there blowing dudes away also kind of sliding around a little bit like she was kicking hanging off of giant tires yeah, yeah, she was kicking fucking ass like big time she's like picking that's the thing too yeah, and, and they, bombs they really utilize like yes they really utilize the space yeah they made good use like of it's space. Because it's not just the container, like uh, all that stuff is great. Him sliding around and, and all that is awesome. But like, no, like just the, the boat ele- hooks, the yeah, netting, the elevation, like you, you see people kind of like climbing cranes and sliding down the sides of them to get to the the giant tires like we were talking about to kind of find shelter at a certain point from the gunfire. And like, there's just a lot going on, but it is all very uh, coherent. Like it doesn't, um, it doesn't get disorienting too much. Which is when you're watching it, you'd think it would, because there is a lot of moving parts to this. I mean, when that one guy yeah. gets no, it's, uh, like decapitated by like a loose wire that breaks from one of the storage units or something. Yes. Oh yeah, that that <laughs> shot. Uh, one of the containers' cables snaps, and it, the whole container, I think, actually just crashes into the guy's body, right and you before, just see him fly. Right before it crashes into him, it like. So like the, the oh, wire go, there's a POV yeah. of the oh, yeah. wire going directly into his neck and they don't show the yeah. decapitated head fly or anything like that. But you can presume that it was there and it was maybe cut yeah, out. I do like that. They show the shoe yeah, fall the shoe. next to JCVD uh, sound effect. below you get the sound effects of like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I gets mangled. I, I don't. Yeah. People just like, again, the way they use the containers, the way they use the movement, like the, the can the way they use the set and the cameras moving around it. It's insane. Van Damme gets into a knife fight at one point. And one of my favorite things is, you know, Van Damme's gotten into lots of knife fights across his career. And I was thinking about that one a little bit in time cop, because there's a part where mm. he uses a towel as like the little sort of like martial arts countering device yeah. to like lock his arms up and stuff like that. In this, do you want to guess what he uses? It's the explosive genes. Oh, the genes are the, f- and we, yeah. we know that they're a shitty made product too. So it's so funny that he, you know, he pulls those things pretty tight trying to lock that dude's <laughs> arms in, but you know, he, he gets Maybe away with it. Yeah. Of the, no, they would have had to have been the knockoffs actually. Yeah. Cause they were on the knockoff boat, man. It's all that was around them. And of course this whole thing climaxes on Van Damme shirtlessly boating away from the entire cargo ship of knockoff genes exploding in the background, sending, him and the boat briefly into like a no gravity slow-mo maneuver for a while. And like the lighting is so bright behind them that you can't even see what's like happening. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And this is after one of the henchmen gets crushed by an anchor, I believe too. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of other creative uses of the boats to kill the henchmen, (laughs) every device on this boat is used to crush someone's body. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny too, because the boat is moving Every time they show up moving, it's supposed to be like super dramatic and tense, but you're like, but everything that's happening on. <laughs> yeah, the it's like it's a, car, it's a cargo ship, you know, like <laughs> how fast can those things go? <laughs> presumably Paul Zervino is also dies in this explosion. He's supposed to. Yes, because yeah, he's using the remote I control think, device and they assume that he all, the pants are also near him or something. You yeah, know, yeah. And I don't, like uh, Van Damme or Schneider asks, asks Karen Lee, 
what happened to him. And he's just like, I smoked his fat ass like a Roman candle and just body shamed Paul. <laughs> Which is a cool <laughs> line, but we're like, we didn't see you do that. <laughs> Did you do that? I mean, well, he just kind of died in that explosion. Yeah, it, I guess it doesn't show his like his body, but he does. They do show him reacting to the explosion he reacts and to the explosion. being surprised yeah. that it's on his ship. So I assume that he just exploded with it. Yeah. But then they have that secondary scene. Two hours later, the secondary ending is so Ooh, hilarious, oh, yeah. and just once again led me Bizarre. to believe that this is like this movie knows how hilarious this is. Oh because, yeah, like, you can't end like that and be like, this is a serious thriller. Like they they, <laughs> they they literally gave it the action finale with the giant explosion. That's your last scene type of ending, and then it literally comes up with a title card for note that's like two, two hours, hours later, yeah. and you're like, what? and you're like, that's such a funny amount of time to <laughs> if it say was that two this hours happens. Later, like it's not like, be like dealing with like cops and like all sorts of shit. Like they would yes. not be like chilling, having a drink, like, you know, unwinding after like, you know, a crazy day. Like they're just <laughs> <laughs> Rob Schneider's. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and also Troy Hark using the handover oh, celebration yeah, yeah, in the background true, yeah, of the yeah, event. Yeah, the so you literally have like the, the, the woman on TV saying like, you know, the, the use of fireworks traditionally is a symbol of celebration and this is a particularly meaningful use of fireworks because we are going to have two nights of Hong Kong literally smoking up 100 million dollars of fireworks to celebrate this handover and you you know you have this kind of thing taking place and then they're also like there was also a huge explosion a couple (laughs) hours ago that people are wondering if it is at all involved to do with the celebration of the you know (laughs) and they set another one off like Yes, well, and then it's it's fucking Rob Schneider and Van Damme in the bar just goofing around, having a drink, and then they literally are playing with the little detonator that they got oh from the God. boat, and they, 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 they flick it, they switch it on, and it cuts to <laughs> Harry, surprise reveal, he's, he's still, still alive. alive, and he's working on explosive children's toys <laughs> now. Two hours later. <laughs> Dedication. Just, yeah, two hours later, he's like, okay, the genes didn't work. Let's try toys. <laughs> We're um, moving on to the next product. For a third time. This is the third time he explodes a greed flame, right? <laughs> yes, and then he explodes again. Again, like the twist is that once again that he's alive and he's the twist is that he then dies in, you know, because they accidentally set it off. But the gag isn't complete unless it cuts back to Van Damme and Schneider in the bar and you can see the green explosion right, in the background, in the background oh, going off and they literally look over and they're like, oh, shit, did we do that? Yeah. I love yeah. the conversation they're having in this bar because, like, you know, they're clearly very tired of, like, you know, working in the gene industry industry and so rob schneider's just like spitballing like other ideas that could make them just like a women only football league football just league, them and he was the only guy in the league like where is that why is like happy gilmore productions not produced that movie yet you know a football league <laughs> yeah that sounds like a yeah. all women <laughs> that sounds like a league, schneider comedy and schneider's the only male football player in it in an all in league like give me that movie uh, yeah. That. Yeah, and then and then is it Van Damme or Schneider who gets the final line of the movie as we cut to credits, which is I kid you not, I don't even know why they say this, but it it's such like a, a sign off for the film, and again how knowing it is, no action movie would be complete without sweat is the last line of this movie. Well, and really? I don't I, I I'd have to go back and watch it again. I don't know why it's even I said. It. <laughs> yeah, because that's so disconnected from like the girls' sports league thing that he's saying, which is what I thought was the the ending thing. So yeah, it's 
that is weird. He also comes up with it's, the, it's he so also bizarre. comes up with the idea for a universal remote. <laughs> He's just like, what if instead of having three oh, remotes, d- you just have, you know, could control oh, yeah. your jacuzzi, <laughs> your television, like. Like, and I was like, speaking uh, of Happy Madison, so he invented Click yeah. as well. That was the <laughs> yeah. idea. Schneider might be better than we think. There's more to them. I'm Schneider Ocherism. It's it's next on the block. Let's uh, <laughs> oh, God. Let's give that a go. I already did that in my rewatch uh, project. I I cannot do it again. <laughs> what a movie. Okay, and okay, this we, we do have to wrap it up because we're going long. Yeah. But I, the last thing that needs to get noted here before we get to reductive rating round is. The one of the greatest original credit songs oh. ever written for a movie, in okay, my yeah. opinion, <laughs> is in this film. Yeah. And I hope that Jamie listened to the entire thing because it's by the American rock duo Sparks, which is that insane that they did it in the first that, place. That, when you told me that band, because I'd heard the song, I did not know it was Sparks. That is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like that is crazy okay. that Sparks is the one doing this credit song. And the credit song in the lyrics is straight up saying everything that we've been saying about this movie, where like it, about the subject of itself being an, a, a, a knockoff American product just as an existing film. And it, the lyrics are like, I confess that this is really not my song. I bought it in Hong it's Kong. A it's a knockoff. It's a knockoff, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mind was so... Yeah, I confess that this is really not my voice, although I had a choice. Like you could imagine oh, wow. Choi Hark singing this song. Okay. It's a knockoff. I was so blown away <laughs> by this discovery that I, I had to look up like how on earth did Sparks connect with Choi Hawk? But apparently Sparks had a song from 1994 called Choi Hawk. He wrote they oh, wrote wow. a what? song about Choi Hawk and it goes like this. I'm Choi Hawk. I'm Choi Hawk. I'm a filmmaker. I've won some awards. A real song. Okay, that's the yes. sickest I'm song ever. Okay, okay, okay. The yeah. song, I'm Troy Hawk. I'm a film director. I've made several films. I'm Troy Hawk. I'm a film director. I've won several awards for my films. My first film was The Butterfly Murders, Shanghai Blues, Pecking Opera Blues, Swordsman. Okay, no, you're I'm, fucking I'm with me. Say, no, this, this isn't real. Wikipedia page, like Yo, a song. You gotta look fantastic. this up right now. As soon as we sign off. Go listen okay. to the song. It's going to blow your mind. I'm going to go listen so to this. I, 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 I'm thinking this is what led to Sparks doing this song for Troy Hawk like four years later. Isn't That's that so, so sick. Crazy. That's wild. That's in, that is so insane. And, and Jamie, uh, this is one of those episodes where I'm going to request that you please play the knockoff song at the end of oh, this yeah. episode so that everyone can get, get a, little a little taste of that. Taste. Just play like get that first taste. verse and chorus because okay. even the chorus where it's like so close to real, the look, the feel, oh, so close, and yet the paint is still oh. wet. It's a perfect metaphor for exactly what this movie is fucking doing on every level. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I will definitely Troy, do look that. Look up that Troy Hawk song too because that's, that's a good track. It's so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to look that up immediately after we finish here, but we should wrap up. So pivoting towards reductive rating round this, if it wasn't clear by the excitement in the voice, this is, this was an easy four for me actually. And I I honestly think this is just skyrocketed to near the top of my Van Damme rankings. This is like a top probably four or five Van Damme for me now. And that is actually a lot because we have watched a lot of Van. I have watched like 15 or 20 at this point. So this is definitely on the highest end for me. And it sounds crazy because this was, this was a complete bomb and it was absolutely hated on release. And it still has pretty low ratings from like a lot of people, but this is like, for me, one of the most formally unhinged action,
action films of its of its era and it absolutely bakes that into like what it's doing as as a text um, in a really really cool way like Choi Hawk you can almost feel the bitterness of like his American films being rejected despite the fact that he is obviously an expert filmmaker and just doubling down on all of the aspects of double team that people re- rejected like the insane convoluted like cartoon conspiracy that like feels stolen from like 50 other you know sort of like american action films or american products that americans love you can almost feel him being like americans and their fucking cia conspiracies and genes and everything needs to explode and you know like that's movies to them i guess so and as a result he made the best possible version of a movie like that that i've ever seen um and again, just absolutely insane. Like the the, the Puma sneaker yeah, vision, the remote control exploding jeans, the secret CIA meetings on top of Coke ads. The camera will just veer into like a, a person's point of view into a phone. It'll just become a bullet for a few seconds. The whole thing is nonstop gunfights, martial arts, car chases, explosions, and stunts to the point where it actually just does become funny. And Van Damme and Schneider are a, like a surprising, like they have decent comedic chemistry with one another. And maybe mm-hmm. just because they're put into such ridiculous situations that it kind of works on that level. Like Schneider just becomes a bumbling American idiot, which he plays well. <laughs> Van Damme gets to in at the height of his cocaine flop sweat weariness gets to play a dude who probably would also have a cocaine addiction and wear <laughs> ridiculous suits and knockoff clothes and drive around singing Canto pop um and then by the very end of this thing all of this action and all of these characterizations and ridiculousness blends together and the movie itself as we said at the very top it just becomes a knockoff of american action films in the best way i've ever seen and leaned into so heavily and stylistically that it honestly i was blown like this is beautiful and painterly genuinely on like a digital experimental style level that blew my mind which is why i think that jamie's uh black hat comparison actually (laughs) kind of rings true a little bit for me as well um and yeah he just turns recognizable american tropes of a deeply american product into a Hong Kong fever dream with snap zooms and rapid cuts and step printing and in, insane. So it's it's both genre criticism and 85 minutes of like delirious cartoon action at the same time. I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this is definitely one of his stronger films. A hundred percent. Probably I'd have to take a look, but uh, I don't remember how many I've, I've forward, but it's, I think top five. Like, I think this is an amazing film. Um, Hawk is like his direction is just unbelievable. He's he's implementing so many different techniques and different shots and and things that you would think would not be in your traditional and they aren't uh, traditional American, especially Van Damme film. Like all of those crazy zooms, like when the camera becomes a bullet, those um, uh, the the kind of swaying it does when Eddie's introduced, like following the 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 pool ball, but then going back to his eye contact and starting that transition with the camera going into Van Damme's shoe out of all places, like it's just it's unbelievable. It's just it's just incredibly creative and POV shoe cam. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. shoe cam. Um, and and I don't <laughs> necessarily love Schneider in this. I mean, I just don't love Schneider in general, but. I will say that I think him going off of Van Damme works for me. I think 
I think why it worked was because Van, I, I got to see all Van Damme's reactions to that and him kind of playing off that comedic style. So that, that's what sold it for me because I, I just, I don't know, I, did, I don't like Schneider and I did find him to be a little bit grating in this every once in a while. Um, but I, I will give it up to him that he does play a pretty good physical role, like in the scenes where, he's, where it's necessary for him to do so. So hats off to him for that. Um, the writing is absolutely batshit insane. Um, and I do, it's more, yeah, it's just it, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's cartoonishly evil with like the C what the CIA guys are doing like that. That is a, to, to put a bunch of bombs and counterfeit genes all across America and then to threaten the, the death of those civilians to the president for money is like such a Dr. Evil plan. I can't even begin to explain yeah, Dr. Evil cyberpunk. Yeah. Uh, that's over the, one. that's over the top for like James Bond and shit. Like it's just, it's crazy. So I, I think that that's very funny. Um, and, and definitely works for the film and it's kind of chaotic energy. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a four. I think it's, it's fantastic. And that, that ending, I mean, all the sequences with action are fantastic, but that, uh, that boat sequence at the end for the finale where he's just sliding across the ship and shooting a bunch of people and, and escaping the, the death of being crushed by containers is just, it's unbelievably good. Killing um, people with nets and anchors. And yeah. <laughs> and it's so blunt and violent and, and bombastic as well. And, and just fast paced. It's and this is the cut down version. Yeah, There's supposedly would, like 20 or 30 more minutes of Sammo hung oh would, heroic bloodshed action. I, in I need to see that. I'd love to see that. Oh please, my God. Give us so yeah. Knock off the extended cut, please. Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. So for me, it's a four. I, I, for I'm you, definitely Brandon. giving this a four. It's super fun, super like creative. This is Troy Hawk just having fun, and you know what I love about you know Troy Hawk's first. I, I, is this his first or second film for an American market? This is the second one. Second and last. I think this, this was the second, second one? one and, and last. One. Yes, like like th- this this feels like a reaction to Double Team getting absolutely panned and hated. Yeah, he's and like, I'm gonna do and, all this crazy shit. Yeah, now it's just interesting watch. to see him really just take a lot of wild swings and. He was kind of like, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever the fuck. I I really respect that. I think it worked. I think this movie was incredibly well realized, like conceptually, like it was just a knockoff on so many different levels. I don't know. I I feel like a lot of these like Hong Kong directors in a way, like arguably American action films are beneath them to a certain degree. So it's kind of funny to see them have to like pander their, to their sensibilities and, and have some successes and and blunders. But I'm just like, Troy Hawk is like the goat, man. Like he, he is on another level of, from American action directors, and I, you know, oh yeah, I, yes. it's not surprising that this movie wasn't well received. And that I, I wonder, you know, how many things they could have done differently to this film to have made it a success. But if you just considered Van Damme's like career at that point, like I don't, I don't know if it would have really mattered what he did in this film. Like, I, it, it, it may not have been successful either way. But I, I don't think that. No, I mean, like, the, this killed yeah. Van Damme's theatrical yeah. career, and it killed the idea of Choi Hawk, like, making another American yeah. film. But just, that's just it. It seems is, like I've, Hawk wanted to just leave after this rather than yeah. them, like, pushing him out. He It almost, at least from what I just briefly read it, it on did, the wiki, it it's did, like, yeah. he's, I'm out of here. Like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> fuck this industry. Yeah, well, that's just it. Like, it, it, it does feel like they they were like, okay, we're going to create we know that we're going to commit creative suicide. So fuck it. Yeah, let's, let's just go. like make the craziest thing either of us have really ever done. Glory. <laughs> like good for, good for Troy Hawk. Like that was. Yep. Very, very impressive. Yep. They were like, let's burn Hollywood. Let's literally <laughs> blow it up with explosive yeah. genes. Hollywood's going down. The, the real <laughs> dilemma I have is this year now, like, cause Brendan Ross from neon dream cinema club keeps asking me if I'm going to screen knockoff. And I'm like, I'm definitely going to screen it at some point. Yes. Um, but I don't like, do I do blood sport 
30th anniversary this year, or now I'm considering knockoff 25th anniversary. I don't know. Uh, oh, that uh, is tough. Double mm-hmm. feature. I wonder. I guess yeah. you don't want to do it on the I, day, I think. Though. I think that this would play like gangbusters in a crowd yeah. of people. Um, oh, yeah. I think this does need to be seen with an audience, though. It's. I mean, people have seen Bloodsport enough times. Yeah. I, I don't think people truly you know, have discovered the just eccentric amazingness of, of knockoff. And I highly recommend it. Yeah. Now this because the, the double team I think by now has been kind of appropriately reclaimed yep. by a lot of people. This needs to be on the top of people's priority list. Well, to be on, uh, getting I think it was on Netflix up until I don't know, not even like a, like a month, it was. Or, month or two ago, and I I went to look it up today, and wow. I was like, oh damn, it's not there anymore. That's how I watched it the first time, actually, because I was just going through Van Damme movies, and I was like, oh sweet, this one's on Netflix. Yeah, so I yeah. just checked it out, and I could not believe the direction the first time. <laughs> the the plotting and all the craziness kind of threw me back a bit, so I gave it the three the first time yeah. but like i i remember distinctly once again watching that finale sequence and just being like i need to go back to this there's, there's something special here so yeah. yeah so everyone please if you have not seen knock off uh or maximum risk they're yeah both they're both good fun movies so go go out and see how van damme killed his career <laughs> by putting his clout on the line for hong kong filmmakers to experiment and do in bless, both bless cases him. really really bless good action for providing so. that platform for these guys you know they deserved a yeah. shot, you know, and they took it. Yeah. Yep. For yep. Sure. Yep. It's a it's it's a crazy thing that happened, and Van Dam was you know why it happened. So it's a it's a huge part of his career and part of why you know we we love him. And so yeah, go go and check these out if you haven't seen them, and if you have, I don't know, give him give him a rewatch. Um, but that I think is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. That was Maximum Risk from 1996 and Knockoff from 1998. Thanks so much, Brandon, for joining us and talking over these. Uh, films with yeah. us and lending us your 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 knowledge on uh hong kong and martial arts and van damme um if the uh people want to find you doing other stuff uh wh- where where would they well, do that if you want to keep up with my uh monthly movie night at the review cinema on roncesvalles here in toronto uh you could follow at black belt cinema on instagram twitter facebook i've even got a youtube channel it's tons of fun movie trailers and stuff up there uh, if you want to check out some of the shirt designs that I do, most of them are, are movie-related. Uh, you could follow Fatal underscore Stasis. Uh, if you want to follow my personal... Yeah. Yes, yeah, so if, if anyone was wondering where I got my face-off shirt that you sometimes see me in um, nice. in, in photos, that was from yes. Brandon. Brandon yeah. designed that. And also, I can't recommend Black Belt Cinema enough either. I recently got to see Lady Terminator on a 35mm print because of Brandon, which was one of the most mind-melting experiences I've had in a theater in the last year. Absolutely, so. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope to be doing more mind melting book uh, this year. So yeah, check it out. Uh, I'm Brandon's Limbs, L I M B S. Uh, yeah, guys, thanks for Do thanks it so up. much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. No problem, dude. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, for our listeners, we are going to be back in uh, one week's time where we are we were supposed to wrap up January because this technically is the last week, but we've been having such a great response and so many people have been watching the films that we, we felt like we wanted to do a little treat, a little encore. It is the fifth uh, anniversary of the show as well, celebration. So we felt like we could break the rules and enter the 2000s and the 2010s for a brief moment. And we are going to do one last encore Jean-Claude episode. Wow. 
where we are going to be talking about his relationship with director John Hyams. We are going to be doing Universal Soldier Regeneration and Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning double feature yeah. next week exclusively on the Patreon. And Dolph is back so that too. Is, people, and Dolph is back boy, too. Yes. This is why it connected because, because we did Dolph Month and we covered Universal Soldier during Dolph Month. So Van Damme made an appearance in, yeah. Dolph, er, in Dolph Month. We felt like we needed to do the reverse as well. So it's going to wrap up both months together seeing what both of those guys are doing in the direct-to-video action scene with John Hyams, the son of Peter Hyams, who directed Time Cop and Sudden Death. And they are both two of my favorite direct-to-video action films just plainly ever. So, Oh, so good. It's going to be a good episode. We're going to have a lot of fun. to that one. Damn. Give the people what they want, I say. Yes. <laughs> that's right. So patreon.com slash podcast. If you're interested in that, that's next week's episode. And then the week after, we resume regular scheduled programming. It has been an entire month of Van Damme, and we're going to miss him. Gonna and miss we're him. definitely going to come. There's still a couple we didn't hit. You know, we, we could talk about some of the direct-to-video stuff. We could do, There's a couple in there that we, we skipped along the way. I do want to talk about Nowhere to Run at some point. Yeah. I want to pair that with maybe an old Western, because that is, in my opinion, his most like purely dramatic film that he ever tried to make. It has like the least action of any of his films but i Mm -hmm. i did like it quite a bit but uh in two weeks time over on the main feed we are going to be back doing an episode with a special guest and we are going to be going william peter blatty mode and we are going to be talking about the ninth configuration from 1980 (laughs) starring stacy keach and we are going to be pairing it with a 1982 film directed by roger christian called the sender which i uh have not seen um, but Roger Christian, the guy who directed Battlefield Earth, which is the only film Hell that yeah. I've seen by him. Let's so go. I am very curious what a 1982 film by his uh, is in the pairing of it and uh, William Peter Blatty interests me. So that's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks' time with a special guest who selected those. Uh, but yeah, that being said, I think that wraps it up for everything this week. Thanks so much for listening and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy, everybody. Keep it sleazy. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. This is really not my song I bought it in Hong Kong It's a knockoff I confess that this is really not my voice Although I had a choice It's a knockoff So close to real The look, the feel So close into your eyes Then I realized They were knockoffs So close To real The love